Okay, my friend. Long time no see. What's cracking? I know. It's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time we talked? When was it, it was it was shortly after IPF Worlds of last year. 2018? Yeah. Oh wow. Aha. Yeah. A little bit's happened since then, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, so we'll have something to talk about at least. <laughs> Dude, we got a shitload to talk about. And um, there was two of you last time. Is it just yourself now? Yeah, at the moment it's just myself. Uh, Adam, he's kind of been really busy and stuff, so he hasn't been doing them as much uh, of late. Yeah. Man, yeah. I can relate to that. When King of Lewis first, when we first started doing podcasts in 2016, I think the end of 16, um, it was me and Randy, and then for a long time it was me and Randy, and then after that it was me and Paul, and now it's me and Kathwe, and me and like I've had, man, I've had like five different co-hosts mm. uh, doing King of Lifts. I mean, it's just whatever it is, what it is. People's schedules, you know what I mean? It's like uh, it's like uh, the different Robins with the same Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the Batman. Here's the thing, like with podcasts in general. Everyone in their mother's got a podcast, but not everyone sticks with the podcast and keeps with it for like the next, you know, it's it's more like one of my buddies said, it's like, how long can you bleed when it comes to a podcast for like the others to fold up? You go through some thin days where you're like, why am I still doing this? You know, you yeah. got to love it. You have to love it. You're not, in terms of powerlifting, you're not going to get rich off a podcast if you're doing a powerlifting podcast. You got to love powerlifting just in general. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're doing it for, like, a monetary, just off the podcast alone, man, that ain't going to get you much. It's not, not enough to, like, this isn't going to be your full time. You're not going to be like Joe Rogan with a powerlifting podcast. you got to branch out. Um, so a lot of people will start up a podcast, and then as the weeks go by, months go by, years go by, week after week, month after month, year after year, you start, re, you start, re, you start rethinking it if, when life gets busy. Right. Right, hundred percent. So, like, how many, how many podcasts start up and have like seven episodes and then just die? Or even you like, know? you can get a hot run for a hot minute. Like, you can make mm -hmm. a run for like, even like six months a year when things are really popping, and you're like, oh shit, I got insert big powerlifting name, and it's exciting. And then um, you get a few different big name guys, and you're like, this is cool, this is fun, it's actually fun. Have sit down and have a conversation with them. When that novelty royal, when that novelty uh, wears off, that's when you start and you're like, yeah, all right, I talked to this person before. Yeah, all right, like, I get it, but it's not getting, the people aren't getting any bigger. Eventually, mm -hmm. it's like, all right, this is it for how long? For here on out? Now, now it's, it's a whole different, it's different now. Now you start seeing. I mean, for, for myself, I enjoy... Like, if you honestly enjoy sitting down and talking to somebody, and it's not clout chasing, and it's not... Yeah, clout chasing is a fucking trendy term right now. But, mm. uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Where if, like, I, I listen to... I'm a huge Joe Rogan guy. When I listen to Joe Rogan, the way he talks about it, when he says, like, um, sitting down with somebody, sometimes if, if I don't know nothing about them, it's even better. Like Sim Rass from Estonia. I don't know anything about Estonia. I don't know anything about Simras. I sit down and like, let me hear about what was it like growing up in Estonia? What's it like being a 120 yeah. plus kilo lifter and like your experiences? And just like, man, I would rather have, if you actually look at it like, 
I'm going to sit down and for 90 minutes have a conversation with someone on the other side of the world and just find out about them and better my social skills in terms of getting them to talk about it and follow up questions and keeping that conversation moving for 90 minutes and just bettering that and walking away with something. Um, if I look at it like that, like every Sunday I have the privilege of sitting down and talking to somebody like that, you'll, then you could ride forever. You, do, you don't got to pay me a dime. I'll do that forever. But if, if it's, I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to get famous off this, or I'm thinking like whatever, money or whatever the shit, if it's that, and yeah. you, find, you find out a year and a half later, nothing changes, man. Nothing yeah. changes. You, all right, you might pack it up, you know, or, or get too busy. How you feel? Mm. How you feel about it? That pretty much echoes my experiences of it, to be honest. Because, yeah, as you say, you get this like initial surge, and then it's it's kind of hard to kind of it's almost like progressing your powerlifting total <laughs> it's yeah. an analogy for it it's like it's hard to to progress beyond there you kind of have to be content with being you know roughly the same and maybe chipping away two and a half kilos here and there yeah. that kind of thing over time uh you know to to use that kind of um analogy but uh y- yeah y- like you do have to just sort of like I enjoy just talking to people and having those conversations because I'd be curious and I'm like, okay, I can learn a thing or two here. I can provide value for some people, you know, maybe not a huge amount of people, but some people and some people will take something from it. And I guess when you kind of say to a potential guest, like, do you want to do a podcast? I almost feel like you, you kind of have a free pass to ask certain questions that you probably wouldn't if you were just talking to them generally, Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, maybe maybe not for you because you would just you would you would just ask whatever anyway. But uh, <laughs> I think when it's for when it's for a podcast, you're like, yeah. okay, it's 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 somewhat acceptable to ask these kind of questions because yeah. it's you know for this like kind of thing that's going to go up on the internet, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, for sure to dig in. I mean, you can in terms of the podcast, honestly, in terms of powerlifting, like you could keep going up and keep adding downloads and, and followers, etc. But um, to actually be at a point where it's your full-time job, only podcasting, you're probably going to have to spin off, do merch, do, do some kind of whatever. Like if that's, if that's what the goal is, you got to reassess the goal because it, it, mm. people tell. You could tell like you're, you're chasing certain things. I think yeah. like if you, if you hop on here and you genuinely have an interest, like when you sit down with somebody in a conversation and you are genuinely listening to what they're saying and you are generally like – off of what you say, I got a follow-up question. And this bad boy is going to flow wherever it's going to flow. Mm. You know, and you start working on these skills, even as like a, like a social experiment for myself. Man, I've sat down with people from like places I'd never been to before in my life, man, like Kazakhstan and what, man, all over the place. It just, uh, we, we might have like nothing in common. What do I got in common with a 20-year-old girl from Sweden? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, I, got, I got nothing in common with this junior 20. I'm twice the rate coming from Canada. We got nothing alike. We, we don't even come from the same first language. And um, to sit down in that situation and be like, look, for the next 90 minutes, me and you are going to chat. And I'm going to keep this bad boy going. And they're nervous sometimes because, you know, they may or may not be used to this. And that's cool. I totally get that. And you know you got to carry the weight. And I tell them, I'll carry the weight. I'll keep us going. E- even if you get caught off guard or you get a little shy, I will keep us going 
that you start like honing your own social skills, you know. And um, man, when it comes to like this day and age, when it comes to social skills, that's like one of the most underrated skills you can have is to be able to talk. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I, I really feel like we should be recording this. <laughs> oh, you're not recording. I have been. I've been recording this. Oh, you? <laughs> oh, Start oh. recording. Start it up. Oh man, there was loads of stuff I wouldn't have said there if I uh, if I knew it was being recorded. I'll cut it. Uh, you want me to cut? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, will I will I record on my end? Yeah. Uh, what um what are your 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 thoughts on that generally? Like, uh, you know, you see a lot of podcasts kind of come and go very quickly. Hmm. What do you think is do you think people get into it for the wrong reasons and then quickly realize, oh, no shit, I actually don't want to do this? Or uh, do you think it's just a case of like, they have a lot of enthusiasm and then they realize that to keep it going, they have to put some work in and that they can no, no longer commit to it after a little while? Uh, what do you think is going on there? It's like, um, it's a little bit of all that. Like if you get into it, like we were just saying before we started recording, if you get into it thinking this is going to be a cloud chasing thing, like nobody gets famous off. I don't feel like anybody in powerlifting is really famous. If you if you're in this for something like that, man, you're in it for the wrong reasons. If you're in this because you think um, like the chances of just doing a powerlifting podcast and it being like a Joe Rogan situation, because we're such a niche powerlifting, it's pretty niche. You know, mm. just podcasting alone, you can get so far. You can get supplement your income for sure. You can make money, but even if you exhaust the downloads in this community. Um, you know, you, you probably got to supplement that with other things, whether it's merchandising, coaching, or something on the side. You know, it's not just that alone. You would think, like, it's got to be... So maybe people go in there with certain expectations. And podcasting in general, and I don't want to sound like that freaking... You know that rock star dude who's like, I'm in it for the music, man. I'm in it for the art and culture. But I don't want <laughs> to sound like that dude. But honestly... If you get into it because you genuinely won't enjoy sitting down with somebody once, twice a week and, and just talk for 90 minutes and finding out about them and like walk away from it. Like I walk away from it. Like I was saying before when you came to start recording, sitting down with somebody who's like half my age, a woman from across the world, never been to where she's grown up. We got nothing in common and doing 90 minutes straight of talking. You got to like keep that conversation going. You know, you, it, you, you find out. You know, you find out about them, you find out about like how they came up, how their views of the world, and just like even flexing those skills, man, were to be, let's keep this conversation going. How often would I sit down with some 20-year-old girl from Belarus or whatever and just shoot the shit for yeah. minutes straight? I'm, I would never, I, don't, I know nothing about your culture, your language, how you grew up. I know nothing about it. I'm sitting down yeah. and we got nothing in common. It's like, let's, let's talk for 90 minutes straight. You and, and you know, not even that, but with those examples, like it, it, depending where they're coming from, it might not be culturally a thing for them to be talkative and that kind of thing. Like I find that a lot of the particularly Eastern Europeans, yeah. they're just not overly talkative. Oh, yeah. I think it's a cultural thing. Oh, oh, dude, I've seen it all. I've seen, I've seen yeah. like you, 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 and there's another thing that you can actually like in terms of, um, you know, when you come on the podcast, some people are talkative and it's easy. And some people are not. And you gotta you gotta do some heavy lifting. And there's another thing that you like, you know, you learn how to sit down with somebody. At, after this point, man, with everything I've I've talked to people that are like nothing like me. 
And I've talked to people who are like, just like me and it clicks easy. I've talked to people who, like I've had some crazy shit. CeCe um, Ingram in the untested mm. division. Everyone knows CeCe Ingram. Formerly CeCe Holcomb, won the US Open, boom goes the dynamite, everybody in the mother. She was like the Wilkes queen, right? I messaged her and I said, and this is like, like a crazy moment on the podcast, and this is the type of stuff that happens. I messaged her and said, what kind of questions should I ask you tomorrow? Is there any stories and anything in particular that I should ask you about? And she's like, ask me why I started powerlifting. Easy enough, man. That's a usual question. I'm not thinking twice about that. Cool. Gotcha. Mm. Podcast starts. We're shooting the shit a little bit. And I'm like, why did you start powerlifting? And she said, because when I was 13, my father held me down and raped me. My man? Yeah. Holy shit. And I'm recording like you're recording right now. And yeah, that's yeah. What she said. And I and then I, I, I didn't know what to say. And she goes, I swore no man would ever overpower me again. She picked up the barbell and turned her which what they did to her was monstrous. She turned herself into a monster. Mm. Good luck trying to overpower now. And what do you say to that? You're gonna have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Mother, I was I I, I it's like that's some real life shit you don't get prepared for or um when i had like garrett fear on that that podcast blew up where he told me i didn't know a story he's one of 17 kids and um by 15 he was a heroin addict 16 years old he od'd in and almost died and uh i mean he was like six foot one 130 pounds and like you know just just like a it, it was crazy, the stories he would talk about. How, like, he almost died in, in a party. He passed out in a in a bathroom because he's ODing. Was in the shower, passed out, smoked the back of his head with the water coming down on him. Barfed and blood all over his chest and bile and um, and puke. Because he, he, he hopped in the shower because I guess when you're ODing, first thing you get, you heat up. The first thing you want to do is cool your body down. He felt himself O-doing. He's 16. There's 30 people in the house in this party. 16 years old. Ran upstairs, turned on the shower. He's like, oh my God, I'm ODing. I got to cool down. Passed out. Smoked his head on the back of the tub. And he's laying in the tub with this. He wakes up the next day. This is around 6 o'clock p.m. Wakes up the next day around noon. And the shower's still on and his legs are totally clean because the shower, the water's been hitting his legs. But all over his chest is barf, puke bile all over his face, blood all over the back of his head. And um, he gets up and he's like, holy shit. Looks in the toilet and somebody had gone to the washroom. And he looks in the mirror and sees himself covered in that. And he realizes, oh, these people kept partying all night. In and Mm. out of the washroom while I was in the shower with the water running on top of me, barf, blood, puke. They don't get, these aren't my friends. They don't give a fuck. And that was, and there's another thing where like, I didn't know. And when someone's giving you a story like that, you're like, holy shit. I've had moments, like man, this is just off the top of my head. It's been a few years where you walk away from a podcast like you can't stop thinking about it. And you're telling other people and you're like, man. Or like um, Joe Sullivan in The Untested as well. He he was at school. I'm like, how crazy was it where you're from? He's like, man, I remember in school one time, some kids were looking for this other kid. He's from uh, somewhere in Flint, Michigan, close to Detroit. He's like, some kids had a problem with a kid from my school. And they showed up. And to find him, they pulled the uh, fire alarm. 
And all the kids came out of the school and they shot him up and they shot the kid. And to get him out of the school, they pulled the fire alarm because they knew he'd come out. Because he had to come out of school. And I was like, it's just these stories. You're like, holy shit. You don't even know how to take it. It's, it's wild, man. It's, um, yeah. And so if you, if you approach it like that, and it's more like, like just sitting down with somebody, hearing stories and having a conversation you would never have in your life. If you just stayed in your comfort zone in your little box, and day in, day out, you stick to your 95 job and whatever, you will never come across these people and these stories. You know what I mean? So if you, that's why I do the podcasting. I feel privileged. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And like, where did it all start for you podcasting wise? Like what made you say, hmm, I'm going to start a powerlifting podcast. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, so I started doing King of the Lifts. Uh, I think it was, two, it was 2016 because powerlifting was like, I come from a time when powerlifting in like 2007, I started powerlifting and there was seriously like nothing for powerlifting. Like we had nothing, man. Like we had uh, powerlifting watch was like a website where they would say like powerlifting news, but there was no, like, there's no media attention. There's no, you know, if you were into powerlifting, trying to look for results or highlights, the live streams were like almost non-existent if there was a live stream it was literally looked like a camcorder in the back of a room no commentary yeah. no nothing and um when things started like social media really was a big help like powerlifting took the social media like crazy um like instagram i joined instagram 2014 and um i mean power it used to be 15 second clips and 15 seconds is all you need for your one crazy squat you know yeah. what i mean or crazy deadlift. you could do a meat recap in these 15 second clips and people started getting followings and then um, and I could see certain people were getting popularity with these 15 second clips like training videos and um, talking about how they're training talking about a competition coming up and people like oh I could follow your prep because all I need is 15 seconds to watch it and uh, so it, I, it began off of Instagram like that recognizing certain people doing this like Lane Norton um, you know I mean there's a bunch of them at the time Dan Green was big and I remember thinking it's good that these individuals have it, like in an individual here and there, but it'd be better if we had our own like ESPN style, like site mm. that you go to this site. If you're a powerlifting fan, who's the next hot guy who doesn't, or hot girl who doesn't have a lot of, a lot of big following or not just an individual. Let me follow. Uh, I'm going to use Lane Norton because he's an early social media adapter. I- I'm going to follow <laughs> Lane Norton on his way to the nationals. You want more than just follow Lane Norton on his way to nationals, U.S. Raw nationals. What if the U.S. Raw nationals are coming up and there was a site that showed all of the heavy hitter stars leading into the Raw nationals? I can see all of them. I can can see highlights. I don't have to visit 15, 16, 25 different pages. Give me the highlights. Is there showdowns I'm not aware of? What if there was a site that could do stuff like that? And and that's when King of Lifts really came about where I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to start profiling yeah. people in that direction and um, and start bringing people in and so people could actually, you know, see the showdowns arising so the event themselves gets more hyped. And then also yeah. people who weren't getting the just hype would, would get more exposure. And then I knew, like, if we had that, more people are going to watch because you care. Man, there's nothing worse than showing up to a sporting event you don't know who's playing and you don't give a shit. You're like, I yeah. don't care. I couldn't it, care less. I have to care. Especially with powerlifting. <laughs> oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. People who say, like, I get it. People who say powerlifting is dull. And to an extent, I get that. 
Um, between, man, I've seen some battles that are freaking, you know, right down to the last one. I've seen some action-packed battles. As long as it's a stacked division, and, mm. and I know the backgrounds, and I know the people, and I give a shit. And I've seen the prep leading into it, and there's some stories leading into it. Storylines is key. So there's another thing yeah. I try to develop is storylines. Right. So, like, and with, with those battles, it can be, you know, there, there can be different scenarios. Like, this, this lifter is favorite, but she's carrying an injury. This girl has come second the last two years. There's this other girl who's nominated third, but she's the youngest, and she's up and coming. Yeah. And, you know, we know the, the least about her. Or, you know, men as well. I'm just... Yeah. The reason I'm using women in this example is I'm thinking of IKF Worlds this year yeah. and some of the fantastic battles we, we had there. And I, I would actually argue it was probably the first year where I, I felt like in terms of entertainment-wise, I felt like the women outdid the men. Yeah, I mean... The 70, I don't know what you thought about that. The 72s were bonkers. The 72s yeah. was absolutely bonkers, man. Like, they had one through, like, six was could have won it like what they, they were all so strong i mean to that yeah and, and coming from a representation of all over the world from the u.s to canada to like all across europe like they had like it was so well represented right down to the very last deadlift and you had the storylines you had the the young guns like you had the world champion junior like jessica bittner coming mm. in who's the champion from the juniors entering the open then you had the master Kimberly Walford, who's literally old enough to be in the Masters, refuses to lift in the Masters. The Queen returns from a hiatus and wants to battle that out for her title. Like, you want my title? You're going to come. I'm going to be there. We're going to battle that out for it. And it couldn't yeah. have, have been a tougher competition for her to come back to. And it's the return because she missed 2018. I mean, you had the storylines. And then the, the championship was taking place in Sweden. And then you had Isabella von, von Weisenberg from Sweden, who's literally the poster girl on all the billboards all over Sweden. They had a 20-foot billboard of Isabella von Weisenberg on the side of a building. I mean, in, in it's taking place in Sweden. She's representing the homeland. So, yeah, man, I mean, that, the 72s, and I, I don't know if it was the biggest ever, but it was, like, certainly, like, frick, man. The, you, yeah. you can't, people who say powerlifting is boring, I hear some people say some shit like that, and I wonder what division you're in. I wonder what federations you usually show up to. I, I Look, I got, I'm not knocking the untested, but... Oftentimes, the untested doesn't have a deep division for divisions. You yeah. know, they have to use a Wilkes formula, and this guy is going against this guy in two different divisions. Whereas in the IPF, head-to-head matchups, like the reason why the U.S. Open was Steffi Cohen and, and Mariana was so phenomenal is because they were actually in the same division. They were mm. going toe-to-toe in the same division. Beautiful. That's what sports is going to be. Right. If if we have to watch it, they're in two different divisions, which they should have been until Mariana dropped in Steffi Cohen's weight class. And we're using a calculator right down to the end. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess powerlifting would be boring. I need to see you head-to-head. I don't want to see Michael Jordan taking three throws and doing a slam dunk contest by himself. And then you go. And then he goes. And then you go. That's powerlifting. We both go on the platform one at a time. I want to see Michael Jordan and, and who the fuck else was big in Jordan's time? I'm not that guy. But <laughs> go, go head-to-head. One-on-one. That's sports. So I get it. If you're from a federation that doesn't have a lot of head-to-head... Yeah, you might be like, man, powerlifting is boring. But if you're watching IPF World Championships, you're like, what are you talking about? I watch Brett Gibbs and Russell Orr, he go toe-to-toe, and it's fucking right down to the last deadlift I'm in. It's, yeah. you know, so, yeah. But you need that storyline. You need rivalries, and, and you need, that's why I, I, when, when a big competition comes up, 
I'm quick to snag these guys and get them on the podcast and let's hear it. What do you guys say about this guy? What, what's your thoughts? Who's going to win? You know, like, let's, let me get a sound bite out of you. Let me try to feed this. I'll feed the monster, you know? Yeah. Do, do you ever get any kind of kickback from that? Because, like, I, I know closer to home anyway, like, I'm part of the, the Irish Powerlifting Federation committee, and we're talking about, like, okay, so we've got nationals coming up in February. Are we going to do the whole head-to-heads on Instagram kind of thing? Because last year we got a bit of pushback from that because – some of the lifters said it was it was a bit too much pressure for them, and I, I was like, I was like, well, yeah, I can understand that from their point of view, but like, if we're trying to, it's the biggest competition of the year. We need to generate as much excitement as we can about it, you know. Dog, that's um, okay. That's fucking ridiculous for me to even hear. Let, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. So the IPF themselves, I was running the Instagram account for a little while there, and. Um, and I was doing that. I was going like, like when John Hatt and Brett Gibbs were going to show down 2016, I would show one guy squat doing 500 pounds for eight. And then I'd show the other guy. If I seen they both did 500 pounds for eight in the same week, I'm fucking putting them side by side on purpose on the IPF and being like, who's going to win on purpose. Mm. And, um, and since the IPF still does it, the IPF, now nah, they, to answer your question quick, but I, I want to get into it. No, they don't give no pushback. They like, it. they want showdowns. When we do the intros, they're like, they'll come to me because they know I, I research all the showdowns. They're like, what are the showdowns? What are we looking at? Who versus who? Let's hype it. They understand um, because they have an obligation to get this as, as most strings as possible. Mm. Anybody who's an athlete who's like, no, please don't put my, don't put my face versus so-and-so. It's too much pressure. Then, that's, then you hop off of social media and you go, you go social media dark for a little while. But this is how we grow the sport. If you don't want to do a podcast, don't do a podcast. But don't tell a podcast not to talk about it. That's crazy. Or don't tell a federation, don't hype your stars. That's crazy. That's like the NBA not mentioning, oh, by the way, Michael Jordan's playing tonight and he's facing off against Michael John or Magic Johnson. You know what I'm saying? That's like the that's like the players being like, NBA, please don't mention me on your posters. Uh, because I know you're trying to get people to watch, but it puts a lot of pressure on you. This is sportsman. You don't have to pay attention. You don't have to pay attention. You don't have to like it. You don't have to share it. You don't have to read the comments. But don't be reaching out, being like, oh, come on, man. Don't talk about me in a preview show. Don't, even if it's a federation. That's crazy to me. That's like, you are that, like, if you want to go silent on it, do that. But this is how we grow. This is how we grow, man. It's nuts up. Um, I understand. Look, I've reached out to people in the podcast leading up to a competition. They're like, because I'll have, I'll have like four people on in the same division all on at the same time. And I know that's not easy. I've had like big name dudes be like, yo, I don't know if I want to do that. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. But never, if it's like, please don't talk about me in your podcast. It's like, man, you got to be, you got to be crazy. <laughs> you got to be crazy. And the IPF would never. The IP, you know, I can honestly say the IPF. <coughs> The IPF has never once reached out and said, we don't want you doing this, that, or the other. You know, like they, or, or I don't think, it's just, they know me. We're all in this. We all got to grow this. Yeah. You know, there, there's a formula to grow this. We see it. Uh, bringing it back to something you said earlier on, uh, talking about the, the Instagram account and how that kind of started. When I first came across King of the Lifts, it seemed to be, uh, at least based on what I can remember anyway, it was, uh, 
predominantly deadlift videos was that like because yes. you had a particular affinity for the was the deadlift the king of the lifts and now it's just a little bit more inclusive we got some now, squats and some benches in there now as well so here's what it was there was three different uh, instagram channels there was king of lifts squat champs and how much you bench and i ran all three and um at the same time i was also doing the ipf instagram and i was um so if you squatted I put you on squat champs, and, it's a bit, and if you bench, I put you on how much you bench, and if you're deadlifting, I put you on king of the list. And I was running three champs, thinking um, it's more specialized. Or so as these were growing, um, we just made that ultimate decision. Look, you don't have like because my original thinking was you got ESPN and they have different packages for you, you know, for different sports. But then it became, this is the same sport. This isn't, squatting and deadlifting isn't a different sport. And, and, and if you're going to move this into interviews and podcasting, it's got to be under one banner. You know, yeah. it's got to be under one banner. And if you're going to start doing preview shows or, you know, it just gets easier to profile. For instance, we just did the European Championships. It gets easier to profile that. Under one banner, I know where am I going to for my preview coverage, my results coverage, my recap coverage, my highlights. Where am I going to for this? I don't want to go to three different channels again. Three is two. We just decided after a while, drop squat champs, drop how much you bench, king of the list. And in terms of, you're 100% right. Kings, king of the list is supposed to be, it's, it's what you call the deadlift. But I was talking to my partner, Adrian Burke, about it. And I was like, well, what do, what do we do? Did we change the name? He's like, no. He's like, I swear to God. He's like, I didn't even know King of the Lifts was what you call deadlifts. He's a business dude. He's not a powerlifting dude. And um, he's like, I didn't even know that was a nickname for it because I'm telling you right now, that's so money. That's so money. King of the Lifts, he's like, you could use that with the crown in, in terms of the logo, putting the crown on different things. It's You take it off the logo and move it around. In terms of like the different... Um, you know, different metaphors you could use and shit like that. He's like, keep it. You can't, you can't let that go. And you can do queen, queen of the lifts, king of the lifts. You can do whatever the shit. It's got its royalty. This is the sport of kings and queens. We're across the world. Who's going to rule this kingdom? Like, you could just roll with it. He's like, nah, it's king of the lifts and that's that. So, um, so yeah, we started deadlift only. And some people still hit me up. They're like, man, I was a fan. I was a fan way back when there's three accounts. Those are the OGs. Those are the OGs. They hit me up. I'm like, ah, good, good. It's been a hot minute. We didn't have nearly the following. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild ride since then. Yeah. And so you mentioned then as well that you were doing a little bit with the IPF with their Instagram account. Is that how the the role with the the commentary came up? Was it just kind of snowballed from that? It. Uh, kind of. Here, here's here's the story with all this. This is kind of wild. So, um, I was I went to school for marketing. And this is what, that's what I went to university for. And um, I was a powerlifter, and we, we were getting no love. And um, I started doing campaigns, like fundraising campaigns, where I was going city to city, like pulling school buses, talking to kids, giving motivational speeches. I started going to cancer camp for kids and telling kids about, like, my story, how when I was young, um, you know, I wanted to, like, I picture myself being, like, a, when I was older, being, like, a superhero, having super strength. <coughs> And using, using the super strength to help people, just like the superheroes I read about in comic books. So if I can, when I grow up, pull a school bus, or I end up pulling planes and flipping cars, 
and raising my, using my strength to help people, who's to say what's impossible, man? Anyone would have thought a kid growing up to be a real-life superhero, that's fucking crazy. So when you tell a kid who's fighting cancer, who, who's just like, give me a reason to keep fighting, give me a miracle, I need something. When you tell that kid that, you know, the kid all of a sudden is like, man, it's true. Like, if you're, I'm six years old, if I would have told you I want to grow up and help people with super strength, I'm going to flip cars, pull planes, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy, man. No, who the, that's not going to happen. So you tell a kid that story, they, they, they take that to heart. And then the parents, when I go into, like, these cancer camp for kids in schools with, like, a thousand people there, the media would show up and the parents would show up. And the parents walked away, like, like fucking impact. Some people would be crying, and I talked about how like someone I knew close had passed away from cancer, and um, got into the whole story, right? And that actually went uh, nationwide in Canada. Like I woke up the next day, and then on the other side of Canada, and Canada is a big country, man. Um, I think it's the second biggest country geographically in the world. But so, so sorry to cut across you, but fun fact: I think it actually takes longer for you to get from the the east side of Canada to the west side of Canada as it is for you to get from Ireland across the Atlantic to the east side of Canada. I believe it. I believe yeah. It. Sorry um, to cut across you, but yeah, yeah, interesting no. uh, fun it. fact there. <laughs> um, so I woke up the next day, and people in Vancouver on the other side of Canada were waking up being like, like, I had a buddy who lived out there who hit me up, and was like, dude, what the fuck happened yesterday? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, look at the news. And like the, the, the press had picked it up and went nationwide, and I don't know how the shit that works, but... The Associated Press, I guess, picked it up. And it was in all the newspapers and clips. Me, like, pulling planes. And, like, they had, like, these huge... On the cover of, like, Toronto. You know, I mean, this is millions of people live in Toronto. And they have, like, Superman is real and shit like that. And I'm like, holy smoke. I got, like, a little bit of anxiety, man. And um, so there was a huge groundswell of this happening. And uh, I got the idea... I, I, I did this for a little while. Did a tour of Canada talking to kids whatnot. And then I seen, this was around 2007 and 8, reality TV was fucking huge. Like, reality TV is not as big now, um, but reality TV, like, 10 years ago was fucking huge, my friend. And um, there was an audition for this, this show where they were taking these athletes from all these different sports, and you're going to travel all over the world. They were going to take, like, four, no, two athletes from two, from two sports. You're going to travel all over the world in these quirky competitions, like fun competitions, not real comp. They're like silly competitions, but they're funny. And um, quirky people would be there. We'd go to these festivals and there's like fucking toe wrestling or some bullshit, right? So something that, something that your athletic background wouldn't help you. But the fact that you are an athlete and like a world-class athlete made it funny because you're this world-class athlete and you're going to do like, I mean, man, we did some crazy shit. Um, and they also spliced it in. The loser in this challenge has to eat like an epic meal, okay? So this is what they were doing. And I was like, I don't know, man. I like, I like comedy. I like travel. And I like food. Fuck it, I'm in. And I'm an athlete. Let's, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. Just, just give me a little bit more context on like what the events were. It's like toe wrestling, like what I, other weird shit, like. All right, <laughs> let me think of. It. Oh, so, so, some of them's not too crazy. There was like the Highland Games. Okay. Uh, there was the Warrior Dash, which is like tough mudder or some shit. Yeah, you guys are familiar with that. Yeah. But there was also like frog jumping in Alabama, like frog jumping races. Where you have a frog, you train, and you race a fucking frog against another frog. And they take this dead to right serious, my friend, in Alabama. 
you get in a fist fight if you're like if you talk shit about it. Like they 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 prize frogs. So it could be from a serious Highland Games, Tough Mudder to I mean they, they had the World Pizza Games and people. When I say world, people from all over the world flew to Las Vegas, and you were like, I don't know, like weird pizza tossing, and um, and they had a competition like how many boxes of pizza you could fold up and create in like a minute, crazy shit. But I'm like, this can't be real. Who gives a shit? This was like on TV, just wild stuff. Um, dude from Japan actually was a pizza tossing champion. So, anyways, um, so I sent, I just took a bunch of clips of me talking. Uh, to like 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 public speaking just to show a little personality show clips of me pulling planes and in flipping cars and me like I'd won some championships in powerlifting um, the competition was nowhere near as stiff at the time so that helped but <laughs> but um, sent it in in a video and the producers the TV producers are like um, and they're from Vancouver they said yeah all right here's the deal we're gonna fly you in to audition and I was like holy shit. You're going to fly me in? They're like, yeah, we're going to fly you in, and we're doing a three- to four-day audition, and we have, like, I don't know, man, it's like 20 athletes, and they had, like, Olympians. They had, like, like, like I'm from powerlifting, but they had people from, like, real, like, I say real sports, but this, look at this, 2000, maybe 10-ish by now. Mm. 10, 2010 or 11. This is before powerlifting had its big boom, before the IPF went raw in 2013. So the yeah. powerlifting is so niche at this point. I had to tell them what powerlifting was. They just the only reason why they looked my way is because I'm flipping cars, pulling planes. They and they're like, oh, he's super strong. They thought so. They had people from like like sprinting and like like Olympic rowers and like for real Olympians. When we showed up on when I showed up on set, dog, I was like, man, I don't even belong here. Like I'm not. These guys were A class athletes in powerlifting. Basically, to be at the top of powerlifting at the time. You just, you were like a weekend warrior with the sport. You weren't like an A-class athlete. These guys were like sponsored athletes. And I was nervous as shit. And we're all like, there's like 20 of us on set. Nobody else is talking to nobody. And um, so I'm, I'm super nervous. And I'm staying at a buddy's house that lives in Vancouver. And he, I flew in and I showed up at his little ass apartment. Vancouver is so jam-packed. It's like a freaking sardine can and of an apartment and there's three people living in it and this girl who owns the apartment is subletting it to my buddy and he doesn't tell her his boy's coming so i show up in my suitcase and the girl's like can i help you oh no can i help you and i'm like uh my buddy lives here he said i can stay and she's like she had a look on her face like what the fuck so she let me in begrudgingly, and I'm talking to my boy like, dude, I don't know if she's too hot about this. Drop off my suitcase, go to the set, knowing damn well I don't know what's going to happen with me in terms of where I'm going to stay. So the first day, day of on set, we're doing like interviews in front of the camera to like these quirky competitions, um, and I'm nervous and shit. I feel like I'm all in over my head. Some people are like, they look so natural on camera and like are... They, some of them are straight up actors. They said straight up, I seen an audition, and I didn't know this neither. Reality TV, a whole shitload of them are actors or comedians that show up. Because you're a comedian, you know how to be funny on camera. Because you're an actor, you know what to give the director. And I'm like, oh, good. Because I already felt pretty small coming from powerlifting, and these guys are Olympians, let alone some of them are fucking professional actors or comedians. So I'm like, man, my chances don't look good. So I go back to my boy's apartment that night. He tells me, hey, look, it, 
The girl I'm subletting from says, you got to go. <laughs> All right, then. So she's like, you can stay the night and that's it. And um, he's, he's, he was actually an actor, typical, like, you know, he was waiting tables and shit. I show up on set the next day and I'm telling one of the producers, like, um, I was like, man, I, I, don't, I don't really got a place to stay. I guess I'm going to try to get a hotel. I don't got a lot of money and the hotels are mad expensive. So, you know, I got my suitcase and everything with me. And the producer's like, oh, don't worry about it, man. You crash in my house. I'm like, what? This, this is crazy because if you, like, the producers, he's one of the guys who's doing the auditions. So in terms mm. of being a leg up, like, hey, in the back of my mind, I'm like, hey, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fucking sleep with you. That's what's going on. I heard about Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa. This is, I don't, this is, I don't want the gig that badly. This is, this is, I believe, I believe that, I believe the term is gay for pay, sir. And I, I believe the term is G for P, sir. But um, yeah, I mean, it, so I was like, all right, cool. So we were doing the auditions and this dude ended up becoming my mentor. He explained like that night. I mean, at, here's another thing. At the end of every day, they, they, the head casting director steps forward with a list of people and says, rhymes off like five people and says, thank you very much, but this is where your audition ends. And I'm like, oh, shit. So it's pretty nerve-wracking. So-and-so, step forward. Arthur Lynch, step forward. Thank you very much, but this is where your audition ends. At the end of every single day, you know that's coming. So at the end of every... And these days are like 12 hours, my friend. And you are being told, like, say this script. Act like yourself. But you're not me. This, this, this is TV that's going to go, like, more than just Canada, all over the U.S., all over, like, the Caribbean, etc. So I'm like, fucking act like myself. And you're telling me what to say. And I would never say this. It's tough, man. So then at the end of the second day, I made it. There's two more days to go. And I went back to the producer's house. And, um, and I'm, I'm like mad uncomfortable because I don't even know if I can. The one thing if you, at the end of audition, could go back to your hotel room and just unwind and be yourself. You're like, holy fuck, I can't believe I made it this far. And I'm holding on. But when you go back to the producers, you almost still can't be yourself. You're, you're almost mm. still on, if that makes sense. But my boy who was an actor waiting tables who's used to auditions is like, dude, I know it's hard, but just be yourself. If the guy likes you, if he ends up liking you, fuck. So I, I, I was just myself, and the guy's like, let's go for beers. Let's go for beer. Let's grab a bite to eat. We'll walk down to this pub. I'm like, all right, cool. And we're walking and shooting the shit. And we're just shooting. This is like, again, I can talk. This is what I ended, I didn't have a podcast at the time. I didn't even know I was that great of a talker, to tell you the truth. But you start knowing, hey, I can talk to almost anybody. We can, we can, we can kick it. So we're just shooting shit about all different things. And then on the way back, after a couple beers, I'm like, I was honest. I told him, I go, man, I am mad nervous about this. Um, I think I'm in over my head. Uh, but he's, I'm like, I don't know about this. And he's like, listen to me. Just be yourself and don't, don't overthink nothing. Um, he's like, there are guys who are Olympians who are stiff as fuck on the camera. And they don't, they, like, they are, sure, the sport they're in is very highly reputable. They're going to be seen by millions of people on the, at the Olympics. But you put them on a camera and you're going to fall asleep. You're going to fall asleep in your suit listening to them talk. And then he's like, I was like, there's comedians who are so funny and actors who know exactly how to take direction. And he's like, that's the problem. They're fake. They're taking direction. And we're noticing this. And they're not being authentic. And we can see through it. There's nothing worse than a bad actor. How many times you see a bad actor... And you know they're being so phony and you're like, oh, fuck, man. Can you just, are you ever off? Can you just be yourself? I can tell you're pretending right now. You know what I mean? And he's like, mm. just be yourself. And if you go out like that, if they let you go on yourself, that's fine. I also want to say one thing. T 
to get to this, when they were accepting, I didn't just walk into the auditions, by the way. When I sent that package, I sent 300 emails to 300 auditions, 299 no thank yous, one yes. Show up at this, at this audition with 20 other people auditioning after 299 no's. And, and every week firing more emails, firing more emails, then show up and then every day have to, over 12 hour days, prove yourself and cuts, cuts, cuts. So by the time I'm day two, in terms of emotionally exhausted, you're like, fuck me. I am like, I'm hanging on by a string. Last day, at the end of the last day, there's four of us. And these other people are killers like me. I'm saying killers like me. I don't want, but like, I mean, they, they got they, they got their mind right like me. Let me say it that way. They got their head right in the game. And the last day, I'm like, holy shit, how? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. They I, Like, they're doing it. They're playing it like I'm playing it, just being themselves. And then they're like, we're going to have to actually take an extra few days. So fly back um, to, like, I'm just outside of Toronto, other side. Fly back, we're going to let you know. I'm like, fuck me. Like, I'm, oh. This is, this, this, this is life-changing, right? I fly back to Toronto, and um, a few days later, they said, we, they took all of the video, and they presented it to the network who's fronting this, and the network comes back and says, we want all four. All of them. And I'm like, holy shit, so I made it. I'm on a, I'm on a reality TV show. And this is, um, I mean, this is like, you know, one of these dream come true. like, holy shit, what does this all mean? So they... The, the first thing they want to do, A, they pick me, they fly me in again, and I have to do media training, which means they do fake interviews, they do fake, like, fake everything, man, you get prepped, it's basically a crash course in media, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm with, like, TV producers who have been on, like, see, like, these people have done, like, shows for, like, 10 years, like, 10 year long run shows, like, so I'm, I'm learning about how to handle myself in live interviews on the air, I mean, I'm not just talking to powerfully broadcast, but... They ended up, you know what a press junket is? Where you sit in a room and press comes in and out. Different press comes in and out of the room all day. You might have 10 interviews straight just talking about the project you're on. Like if a movie comes out and they put a movie person in there, like someone who's in the movie, and this person from this magazine comes in, asks them 20 minutes worth of questions and leaves. This person from this TV show comes in, sets up their cameras, asks you 20 minutes of questions, and then they leave. You stay in the room. 10 different interviewers come in and out of the room. That's called a press junket. They did a mock press junket on me the whole nine and like, like dog, in terms of like the training, right? Um, so I, they, they, get, they, they showed me the ropes. Then we started filming a full season, flying me all over the place. Uh, we're recording and I still got a day job and people at my day job are like, what the fuck is going on in your life right now? And I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> and um, so I'm flying all over the place and, and recording epi- like recording episodes a full season. And then um, America's Got Talent or Canada's Got Talent has an audition as well. Now I'm full on media prep. I'm like, I'm like full, man, I've been tried and tested. So Amer- Canada's Got Talent is looking for a strong man. And again, Dog, I'm like 200 pounds at the time. I know there's dudes 300, 400 pounds, way bigger, stronger than me. But I also know what TV wants. They just don't want the strongest person. They want somebody on there that's going to pop in front of the camera. I put in my audition for Canada's, uh, Canada's Got Talent. 
And all of these strongmen who have made it all the way to the world championships are putting in their auditions. And I'm on the strongman forums reading and them saying, oh, so-and-so is going to have this. I was going to audition until I heard so-and-so was auditioning as well. Because I'm not going to drop names, but he was like the Canada's strongest man. He's been to the world championships, etc. And I'm thinking, man, I'm ready. I'm so ready for this audition. Show up, hit the audition, and make it onto Canada's Got Talent. And um, what they have is like a, at the end of every episode, they have the anchor performance. Okay, so you, they show the whole show, and then they save this anchor performance for the last. And that's the performance they're going to take snippets of and show the week leading into. All of the, make sure you tune in next time because things get heavy. And it shows me like lifting a bleacher full of people, but clips. And they took sound bites. I know how to do a sound bites now. Like they tell you in the media training I got. Here's what a soundbite is. You got no idea what I'm capable of. Let it simmer. Pause. And then say something. But get their attention. Stop. You do not want to test how far I'm willing to go in this competition. Pause again. Pause before. Pause after. Inflection of voice. The whole night. They go over the whole night how to get soundbites. My man, I hit that stage giving sound bites like a motherfucker. Like I was prepped and ready. And I knew walking into this, um, you don't know who's going to be the anchor of a TV of like any of the episodes or, or any of that. They figure it out on the fly. They're like, oh shit, that went very, very well. So, and I got three yeses and all that and I knew it. So on Canada's Got Talent, they call me Six Pack Lapidat. On the TV show, I hit the producers up. The, the actual uh, Canada's Got Talent aired first. Like 2.5 million people watched or something fucking crazy, right? And then, the, and then it went on YouTube and like another however many more people saw it on YouTube. And I'll talk about that in a hot second. So then I hit up the producers of the T- Valley TV show and I said, you got to change my name from Ryan Lapidat to Six Pack Lapidat. And they're like, nobody else on the show has got a nickname. You can't have a nickname. It's for you. It looks funny if you got a nickname. And I said, 2.4 million people just saw Six Pack Lapidat. You and, and, and the branding's out there. I just did a Canada-wide tour at Six Pack Lap and I flipped cars, pulling planes. You got to capitalize on this. And then a TV producer hits me back and goes, you're 100% right. You're Six Pack Lap and I. Bam! Six Pack Lap and I. Whenever I'm in the newspapers, Ryan Lap and I. What's that? You know, yeah. there, there's a lot of Ryans. Six Pack Lap and I flows off the tongue and you're going to remember that. So every single time in newspapers, Six Pack Lap and I. Can's got talent. Six pack lapidat. The TV show comes out. Six pack lapidat. Now the ball's rolling. The ball is rolling. People, America's got talent. Reaches out to me because they saw Canada's got talent and like we want to bring you in um, as a man. I'm gonna fucking. I'm out. America's got talent right now. We want to bring you in as a ringer, which means because I'm like I'm not American. Like I might. They're like you. You sound American enough. Just don't say a. <laughs> like all right. So they bring you in. This is what happens. Okay. You know, in the front of a show, they show uh, like a lineup of 200 people waiting to enter the audition. And then you audition in front of the judges. I'm a ringer. So they really do hold auditions. But if they go to New Jersey audition, which I was in a New Jersey audition, and NBC drops three, $3 million for this audition. And you're the TV producer and you're just taking 200 people that walk in. Let's say... Of the 200 people that walk in, and NBC dropped two million for you to have. I mean, they have they had Heidi Klum, um, Howard Stern, fucking Howie Mandel, and all the rest of it. Like, they, there's a lot of money dumped in. 
You as a TV producer cannot go back to NBC and be like, ah, you know what? We didn't get anybody in that Jersey weekend. So we're going to continue on. No, 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 no. NBC's like, the fuck you didn't? That weekend costs us three meal to put together. You're going to find somebody. So what the TV producers do is they go online and search and scout for acts to stack the deck. They hold a real audition. Those 200 people will for real get audition. But just in case, to make sure they got somebody, they bring in people like me who they already know, they've already seen on TV, and they're like, they're good on TV, they're good on camera, let's do it. So they flew me in, or no, I drove in with all my equipment, and um, they show, they, there's that big, like, a 200 people lineup, and me and Nick Cannon, they take me in with the TV camera. People in lineup see this happening. I'm walking through with the TV producers. They put me into a random spot line, and people are like, what the fuck? These guys just inserted him into the line at a random spot with all these TV cameras on him and told him to act normal. Then Nick Cannon walks up and pulls me out of the line by chance, which is all, this is all staged. And me and Nick Cannon start shooting his shit. I pick up a kid, start squatting him. Nick Cannon picks up a kid and starts squatting him. And this is all fake, man. All the people there at the lineup are like, what the shit? Well, I wonder if that guy's going to end up on the show. We, the dude hasn't even auditioned yet and they implanted him a line and he's doing an interview with Nick Cannon um, and they don't even know I'm not even fucking American <laughs> I'm, I'm a full up rigger so I ended up squatting a bleacher full of people with Heidi Klum Howard Stern Howie Mandel on the bleacher get four yeses from the judges uh, move forward in the competition and they just they don't cut me or anything I just don't end up moving forward and they just don't address the fact that I'm not. Everybody who hits the stage, the judges go, what's your name, where you from? What's your name, where you from? What's your name, where you from? For me, they just said, what's your name? And they say, where you from? Because they knew. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm the ring. So I, I'm just a long-winded answer for you. I'm going to bring it back to how I ended up on the media team for the IPF. Yeah, I, I don't even know what I asked you at the stage. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, but, so... Um, I, I, all this is happening, right? So got a reality TV show. Um, Canada's got talent. America's got, America's got talent. was like, however many million people, um, Canada's got talent, however million, million, however many million people. The reality TV show now is on every single week. Christmas rolls around. You know how the networks are like, we want, um, from all of us at NBC, Merry Christmas. And they have some guy from one of their TV shows say it. Like 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 when holidays roll around from all of us at ABC, NBC, from all of us at Fox, Merry Christmas. That year it was me from all of us at fucking City TV, Six Pack Lapidat, Merry Christmas. She was hot. And then in Europe, the Guinness World Record show reached out and said, um, "Look at man, we've been seeing you all over like internet. These things you're doing in terms of strongly feats of strength and shit. We want this is the Guinness World Record show. We want to fly you out in all of your equipment." which would have been like $10,000 to fly on the chef. This is like mad heavy. And to appear on the Guinness World Record show. So <laughs> again, I'm like, this is, dude, this is all within a couple of years of happening. So um, this is around 2004-ish. So we fly out to uh, the Guinness World Record show. And um, Zadruna Savikas is there. Hathor Bjornsson is there. You know Hathor Bjornsson? Of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. All right, good. So, so, sorry, you said t- 2004 or 2014. Well, oh, sorry, yeah. Okay, cool. So this is around. Th- so a couple years have passed. Okay, so 2014. Um, 
So Zadrin Zvika is there, Hathor Bjorn's in there. That's the mountain from Game of Thrones who doesn't know. And um, again, man, I'm like, this is this isn't even real life. Like this isn't. This is man, this is crazy. I'm just a normal dude. I'm not like I'm strong compared to the rest of the public. Like I'm I'm fucking very strong, but compared to like I'm thinking Hathor Bjornsson is a chameleon times stronger than me. What am I doing here? Like what is going on here? But um my like the TV producers who are on the reality TV show are like just man, you do you. If they throw Hathor Bjornsson on the TV, how many sound bites are they getting from this cat? He can barely speak English. They throw you on the TV, give them what they want to get. So I'm backstage. So I'm like, all right, I'm trying to calm down, like relax, you're good. Um so I'm doing the same thing I've always been doing in terms of squatting a bleacher full of people. And on this Guinness World Record show, it's a massive, like, 40-foot screen, like a TV screen that opens up in the middle, do, 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 splits and opens in the middle, and there you are. And, you, <laughs> so, and then you come out, and there's a studio audience. And this show is, like, all over Europe. It's pretty big. Like, again, millions of people are going to watch it. And I'm like, oh, I'm nervous as shit. I can't sleep. I brought my boy. I'm like, um, this guy has to come with me. And they're like, we, man, you are already costing us way more money than all these other acts. We're not, you're not bringing your boy. And I'm like, it's safety. This is a strong man act. And if he can't come, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. And then they were, we were going back and forth. And they're like, I knew they wanted me. Otherwise you would be doing this. You were already way too far in. It's like chasing bad money in poker. So they're like, I right, fuck it. He's coming. So, so they put earplugs in me. And um, the guy, the, the host I'm going to talk to when the doors, when the screen opens up is the TV host. And um, he's going he's gonna to speak in Italian. But the earpiece in me is going to translate it into English for me. Which is like, well, all right, I guess. <laughs> I know I'm already, I'm already nervous as shit. So I show up and um, I'm behind this massive 40 foot tall screen. Studio audience is going fucking berserk. They have people who are like, tell them to clap, tell them to cheer. And I could fucking feel my heart pumping through my chest. You want to talk about anxiety? Um, like before you go on America's Got Talent, the TV producer tells you, you're here as a strong man. Don't try to get cute and get funny and say jokes because the TV, the, like the judges, Howard Stern, Howie Mandel, love a bomb. Oh, if you start bombing and get out of your comfort zone, they will fucking roast you and it's even better TV. It's better. They would love a crash and burn. Don't give it to them. That's my advice. That's all I'm going to give you. So going in front, you're like, okay, these guys are looking to make fun of you if you slip up. So I'm not. I'm playing it safe. Going on the Italian show. So I was uber nervous, but I'm used to getting scared like this. And I could hear on the huge 40-foot screen for the studio audience, they're showing me flipping cars, pulling planes, and all these sound bites I had done on the reality TV show, I can hear it like a fucking movie theater. And the sound waves, because this thing is so big and I'm on the other side of it, are shaking my chest. And, um, and I hear my own voice projected and be like, ah, and like it's nuts. My heart's pumping through my chest. And I'm like, I'm going to have a fucking anxiety attack. Like, if I could bail right now, I'd run through the exit. And then just as I'm thinking, holy shit, I don't know if I could do this. And they said, by the way, you're going for a Guinness World Record. You either hit it or you don't. It's 50-50. You hit it or you don't. You win or you fail. There is no moral story this time. And then all of a sudden, six, pack, lap it out. And then do, 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 the fucking screen parts. And I'm still, and 
I'm like, huh. I look towards the crowd. I throw my arms up like, I don't know. I guess like I'm here. And the crowd goes fucking nuts. And I'm like, holy shit. So um, on that one, I was squatting the beach full of people for like five reps. They had some powerlifting judges to make sure I hit depth on every rep, which I'm like, God, I hope they don't call me like world championship style. Like, But I was, I was like, it was hard, man. Hit it. Broke the Guinness World Record. Um, Hathor Bjornsson and Zajun Sabika Savan were all like, I see them backstage. Everyone's high fives and shit. And I'm like, oh my God. Went out and partied with the crew. Because um, they were all like, they were pulling for me because I was like a nice guy, small guy, like an underdog. And I was nervous as shit. They're like, you did it. Um, so all of this stuff is happening. And all this media exposure and a lot of like press all over the world. Millions, millions of people watching it by this time. North America, Europe. And all this is accumulated knowledge. And then around 2004, around 2015, so that was 2014. I come back home, TV show ends, um, Ken's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, Gives World Record Show, all that's aired. I mean, I came back home and they had a fucking Canada Day, that's our national team. They had a Canada Day parade now, it's a parade marshal. And like, it was fucking nuts, man. Things are popping. Put together a package again, and I go straight to Gaston. And I'm like, listen, um, this is who I am. This is what I've done. This again, this is before powerlifting's really blown up. And I'm like, this is everything I did just with myself. And I'm just me, man. I'm nothing special. I know I'm nobody special. And I'm like, I think like put me on the, the IPF media team. I will I got ideas for the Instagram. I got ideas for the live stream. I, I got ideas for like everything. Like put me on, man. I'm an asset. I don't know how many people in the IPF got a degree in marketing in this kind of type of media uh, exposure, media, like full on media training. But I've been put through the ringer, man. In terms of like being tested, like what they did to me, the TV producers to get me ready, I'm fucking ready. You know, like get, get me in there and I'm at your, I'm an asset. Powerlifting, I don't know how many people they got like me, but you got me. And, and formally educated in it. And Gaston sent an email saying, uh, this is Ryan Lapidat, he's the newest member of the IPF media team. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, it's on now. So, um, joined the team, was initially running the Instagram, um, and bumped up the Instagram, something crazy, went from like 20,000 to like 70,000 real quick, and I told him, we'll get there quick, we got there quick, and I, at the same time, was doing King of Lifts, and doing my own projects as well, um, at, at the very same time, when I came back from the t- all the TV, I was like, I want to do my own thing social media-wise, to build my own brand, build my own thing, as well as with powerlifting in the IPF. And then um, I told him, man, put me, put me as a commentator. Like, I'll trust me, I got this. And they're like, all right, bet you're good. Because they seen I did all this TV. Like, like I mean, big, big time pressure cooker TV. And, and so they threw me on there. I show up. It's Texas, 2016. This is the John Hack, um, Brett Gibbs, big showdown. And I know all of the showdowns. I know everybody. I'm well vested in this. I show up, and the media team is... A bunch of guys from the UK who are for real TV guys. And I know TV guys, we're good. Um, but they're not powerlifting dudes, they're TV guys. So when we sit down, I'm telling them all the different showdowns. I'm like, trust me, this needs to happen, that needs to happen in terms of like, um, we need to talk about this showdown, that showdown. Not in terms of TV production, they know that. I mean, in terms of like, here's a showdown, we need to talk about this, these two guys, those two girls, etc. And um, they're like, all right, you know, you know your powerlifting, whatever. So, uh, I remember sitting down Martin Fleet, 
from from Scotland was like he was like the the powerlifting commentator at the time. That was the last world championships he does. He still does European. And the day before, we're all shooting the shit, getting to know each other. And Martin Fleet turns to me and goes, "So, like, how much um, commentating you done?" And I'm like, "Oh, no, nah, this is like this is my first time." And he's like, um, "No, like, I I know you haven't done the world championships before. This is the first time. I, if you had done them before, I would have seen you. I I do the world championships. No, I mean like, how many of you done like you know on the national scene, regional scene, North Americans?" No, no, I haven't done those. So like, All right. He's like, no, no, I got you. Okay, cool. But like, how many locally, even? I'm like, nah, man. I, I've never commentated a day in my life for even a Little League baseball. And he was like, how the fuck did you get here? <laughs> He's like, what are you doing here? They flew you in. They're like, oh, my God. He was, he was worried as hell, man. And I was like, listen to me, my friend. I I know my powerlifting A, and um, and I've been media tested B, like I, like big time on air media tested. We're good. And he's like, all right. So we sat down. He gave me the down low of what a co produce what a co commentator does, what what the lead does. You know, you say the names, you get the kilos. You never talk over a lift. You never talk about yourself. You never talk about your own lifts. You never talk about a failed drug test and stuff like that. That ain't good. Nobody wants to hear that. You never have to throw it back to the Olympics because we're not in the Olympics. Don't talk about Olympic lifting. Um, don't talk about, like, don't get ahead of yourself. Talk about what you see on the platform. Never miss a lift. Always throw it back to the platform. Never, uh, like, always build storylines. Like, he told me everything. Like, I, I got it. And sometimes, like, you could, I give the same speech to whoever sits down and co with me. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. And there's a whole lot of shit that has to happen on the air. I'm oversimplifying. But we hit that on 2016 and murdered it. And the John Hack, Brett Gibbs situation, I told them, look, this is special. This is the biggest showdown we'll ever have. We need to do something special. And for the first time ever, before it came on, they're like, all right, you know this showdown? Then we're going to give you camera time. On air, we're going to see a face, and you tell us. You got a two-minute intro. Tell us about this showdown. And they had never done that before. And camera time for a commentator was unheard of at the time. And I'm like, holy shit, okay? And remember, I'm new to commentating. And that's when I gave the lead-in saying, like, this is our this is our Muhammad Ali Joe Frazier. This is our Pete Sampras Andre Agassi. These two are unbeaten. Like, I gave the huge lead-in and gave their background, and then they kicked it to the platform, and the battle began. To follow back in terms of what you said earlier, do you ever get pushback hyping a showdown? Dog, the IPF is like, let's do it. They they get it. You know what I'm saying? They get it. They're like, let's they, that's where it all started from. So all that happened, massive fucking you know, views, good reviews. Um, another quick thing, day two of that. Look at I'm, I've never commentated before. Day two, and they go, listen, we're thinking of giving you a co-commentary. This time, because some of the sessions they put me on by myself, which is nerve-wracking as shit when it's your very first time commentating. It's the World Championships live on the air and you're by yourself. And they're like, we're going to give you a co-commentary this time. Day two. All right, cool. Anybody's better than nobody. Cause, but I got to leave. And I've only done this one day. And it's the World Championships live on the air. I'm like, okay, I'm fucking leading. All right, who is it? They go, it's going to be Bill Kazmar. <laughs> the three-time... World's strongest man. You know, he's like a professional wrestler. He's like world famous. I'm like, holy shit. This is this is real life, man. The people I'm meeting from like 
Howard Stern and Heidi Klum, the Hathor Bjornsson. I'm a huge Game of Thrones guy, by the way. Hathor Bjornsson and Bill Cashman. Like, this is crazy, man. This isn't even real life. And I'm like, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead him? He's taking my lead. I'm like, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. All right, let's do this. And um, so everything works out good. And uh, 2017, 2018, 2019, I'm just expanding off that, getting better and better, haunting my craft. And I like, I take notes. I will watch, I will listen to commentary for the real life sports. And I take notes. I take this crazy word. I hit my old TV producing connections and said, give me notes. I hit the TV producers on there and said, give me notes. And um, when you listen to an IPF stream, I don't want it to sound like you're listening to a fucking power lifter who's on the mic. I want it to sound like you're listening to a regular sport. If you flipped on the TV, you can't tell the difference. You understand me? You can't tell the difference when you listen to IPF Worlds than if you're watching a baseball game, football game, whatever. That's what I expect. That's what I, I, I want no less. I don't get, when people come on here and they tell me the power of the resume and who they are, I give a shit. You might be terrible on the mic. Or uh, vice versa, if you're great on the mic, but you don't know powerlifting. Man, that's tough. It is not made. Live TV the TV producers will tell you, and you can hop in for a session, one session, and feel good about it. Those TV producers doing the IPF Worlds will be like, they, and these guys work for the BBC in shows for like 30 years. And they said, we've never seen any live event two weeks long, 12-hour days, all live on the air, every minute, every second, every hour, every day, for two weeks straight, you work, all live on the air. Never seen that before in my life. I don't know how you can. Hang in the pocket. And everything you say, you know how people take clips and they'll be like, oh, if you said something messed up, they're going to run with it. Talk for two weeks straight on the air live every single day for 12-hour days. you got six hours of sleep, maybe. And, and people will take clips about it. Man, that'll, that'll make or break you. You know what I mean? That will make or break you, sir. And um, I earned my stripes for years doing it. So now, I mean, fuck, man, I feel like a group. Now when I look back at all the media I've done, like a grizzly veteran <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you're talking about there how you you talk to other commentators from other sports and i guess that's with a view to like making the commentary as digestible for non-powerlifting folk as possible what are the kind of things you're doing there consciously to make it as like as easy to understand and follow for people who don't know powerlifting what are, what are the kind of things you're doing there here it is there's a few things you got to do. Um, a, I need to give a shit when I'm watching something. If I watch, I'm a huge boxing UFC guy. Anybody who listens to the podcast knows this because I'm always talking about it. But if I watch a boxing match or a UFC fight and I don't know either guy, either girl, I don't super care as much. It's got to be a, a brilliant fight. Talk about these people. And here's where King of Lists helps. I interview these people and I know all of their background stories and I can make it riveting. I can find you a reason why you give a shit and you want to hear it. I'll tell you about it. This dude who, who's, you know, his kid was sick earlier this year, came back. Or this dude who coming back from injury. This girl, first year in the open, underdog, shooting up the rankings. She's a massive deadlifter. You're going to want to watch her in the deadlifts. I'm telling you. Stuff like that. That's one. Let me give a shit. B, you have to explain what's... I don't want to watch and just be like, ah, it's a good lift. And here's so-and-so about to lift that. Ah, it's a good lift. And here's so-and-so about to lift this. Ah, it's a good lift, and here it comes. All right, man, I get it. There's going to be three hours of that. Where are we going? Yeah. Where are we going? 
Why, what, where's, what's the score of this? Throw it back to the score. Why do I care? What's the significance of this bench press? Well, that's forcing so-and-so to load the bar with this amount. Or the bench press is where this girl or guy needs to gain the ground because so-and-so is coming in on the deadlift. Oh, we have a chip in play. You know what a chip means? A chip means they can't just equal you. You're up by half a kilo. Now they got to go up a full two and a half kilo to beat that. A chip could come in handy later on. Oh, wow, this person's in a position where they have the bigger deadlift. They get to pull last. They get to load the bar exactly with what they need. However, they can also change that load twice. Keep your eye on the prize here. What they have loaded is just a placeholder. Oh, what's Team Sweden going to do? They got a placeholder in place right now, and they're going to pull for the win. Like you, tell me what's going on. Tell me what storylines are happening. Not just the squat, the bench. In the bigger picture, always bring it back to the bigger picture. What are we looking at here? Why do I care? You know, and if someone's faltering, if someone... And it's it's okay. The TV producers once told me, it's okay to... Like when I was doing uh, Free Rally TV and, and whatnot. It's okay to get... A, if you're excited, amp it up by 10, 15, 20%. That's TV, man. That's TV. You understand what I'm saying? If I tell you, put an inflection in my voice. You hear my voice right now? I'm not talking monotone right now. I got your attention. If I'm talking like this, well, that was a good lift. And I, I feel real. Now, it's different if I start putting a little inflection in my voice, getting a little excited. Show it. It's okay. Be like, oh, huge lift. I wouldn't have thought. Give that. You know, um, I remember first year doing it, I was a little shy because I didn't want to get too many people looking at me or painted, seeing what I'm doing. By the end of the first year, man, I was standing up. Be like, oh, huge lift. He's done it. He's done it. He's just what? Like, you got to you gotta give him it. Like, if you care, they care. If you're too busy trying to sound cool, it doesn't work. And some people come on there that are worried about sounding cool and whatnot. Um, so when you're paying attention to the regular broadcasters, they know this. They know, like, I'm a big boxing UFC guy. And I use those sports because they're individual sports, not team sports. So it, it very closely resembles what powerlifting will look and sound like. Um, they know their shit. Like Joe Rogan, I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. He knows every single one of the fighters. He will. T- I'm watching the other card. I don't know who they are. He will tell me their background and their story. He will tell me they're going into the fifth round. He needs a KO. He's behind on the cards. This is why he's going to shoot for the takedown. If he can secure the takedown, he's helping you through this. Um, and he's getting excited when, but he's not getting excited in, in per- inappropriate times where you don't believe it. He's not acting. If you get what I'm saying, just go back to the reality TV show and it's a lot harder than you think. If you fake it and people know you're faking, it comes off cringy. There's cringe, man. You know when you hear somebody faking it and it's like, this is cringy. This is hard to listen to because I feel like a fucking actor's on the mic. And it's not you. You're not being authentic. You're doing what you think you gotta do or you're trying to sound like him. You're trying to sound like fucking the guy you heard. So there's, um, there, and that goes right back to reality TV. They're like, they're not, they're giving what they think they gotta do. It's not coming off right. So, Anyways, it, those are the key points. Um, a lot of it is like, uh, it goes back from the media training and my own research and then the mentors I had. Like Eric Root from the IPF media team, uh, Richard Hayward. I mean, these are dudes that like pulled me aside. And I'm just, I'm, at the end of the day, I'd be like, what's my notes? What's my notes? Uh, what do I got to do? You know? And they gave me some gold ones. But they, one time I was like, I don't know how to say this guy's last name. They're like, just say it. And say it confidently, like you, like you know that's what his last name is. And 99% of the people listening are going to think that's what his last name is. The 1% actually are from the Ukraine and know what the fuck his name should have been. <laughs> right? <And> that's 1%. <laughs> but that's 
you know, what percent of the people from the Ukraine know? 99% of the people, that for all the rest of the world knows, that's what his fucking new name is. Just yeah. say it with confidence. Don't stutter. Don't make it sound funny. Just say it. And, and go back there and try to get it. I'll ask people, like, how do I say your, your name, young man? What's your, what's your name? And I'll be, like, writing it down phonetically. And if the dude sees me writing it down sometimes, like, no, 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 that's not how you write it. Like, now nah, nah, I got you. I'm trying to write it down phonetically how I'm going to say it and make it sound proper. But, um, yeah, man. Do you know, do you know what's, just, just to cut across there, a funny story from something completely unrelated. I remember you, you wouldn't follow, like, motor racing at all, would you? But motor racing, like no, uh, Formula no, One. No, sir. So there's a very famous commentator, uh, Murray Walker, who used to, he was talking about uh, Ayrton Senna, a uh, very famous Formula One driver. Um, and so, like, he, he's from Brazil, and his, the way his name is spelt, you, you read it and you think, okay, that's Ayrton, but it's actually pronounced Ayrton. So... Murray picked up on this and then started referring to him as Ayrton on uh, uh, during races. Yeah. And then after a while, he started getting pushback from people listening. He's like, "Why? Why are you saying his his name weird?" It's like so because of that. Then he went back to Ayrton because that's what people were familiar with, <laughs> even though it was the wrong way of saying it. <laughs> oh, I admit that happens too. Um, yeah. But but. Yeah, hold your leg. Say, for you told me, someone's told me, speak in confidence, not in facts. It doesn't matter yeah. in the wash anyways. You speak confidently, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes, like, uh, you know, it is what it is. He, uh, speaking about the geography, one time when I was on the air, so Eric Root, who's one of the producers for the IPF media team, was, um, he's actually like a fucking geography major or something. He went to school for that as well as marketing. He's like, a brilliant marketer and he's like a TV guy and um, like best in the business. And, but I dropped, I ran my mouth and spoke confidently about some geography. Like you could take all of Europe and fit it in Ontario. That's how big Canada is. And Ontario is like one province of Canada. And he's like, what the fuck? He's on the air sending me notes on, like writing on a piece of paper, Superman. Are you kidding me? And he showed me like how big Europe is, and I'm like, all right, man. On the air, I'm like, uh, my TV producer's crawling up and down me right now. Apparently, I misspoke, and I'm like, but you get the point. But um, yeah, <laughs> and sometimes all like, like I'm saying, you were on the air so long, and sometimes like you're talking about master four lifters doing openers, okay, seventy three year old ladies openers, so they're not. It's not even third attempts. You're looking to fill some air time, man. You're looking to say some things. So you might you you're like pulling facts out, trying to find, have a conversation about anything. So I'm dropping things with like factually incorrect, but trying to say it with confidence. Yeah, if possible. Yeah, I think the the one that uh, that gets a lot of people is um, where where Bicky. No, oh, dude. Because it's like, is it is it Wizbicky? Is it where's Bitsky? You know. I believe I believe to like, say it properly, he has to pull your tongue out of your mouth. <laughs> it is um i got him to tell me in calgary but I probably by the time we went to air i probably messed it up anyways but uh no it's like it's no oh, man i can't say it right it's like for, it, there's like a shh in there dog it's it's mess i don't know i don't know if he's still in the ipf now i think he might have left the ipf so 
It's not my problem no more. You won't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I, unless I'm saying it on a podcast. But um, yeah, man, I've, I've seen some. Here's another thing. Don't ever make fun of somebody's name. It's not like that's one That's one no-no. There's a few no-nos. Don't make fun of somebody's name. Nobody wants, like it, it don't. There's stories I won't get into. It doesn't end good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And don't get overly patriotic about your countrymen. It's okay to say, I'm from Canada, person on Canada's up, uh, going up, so you could be full disclosure, but you don't start chanting and singing Oh Canada and shit like that. Like you don't, uh, you just give the goods, full disclosure. They know you're from somewhere. You're not, not like I descended from fucking Mars and I'm impartial. <laughs> I'm from a country. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, don't show favoritism like that in terms of it. Even if like, you know, the world knows you're probably going to pull for the Canadian. That's fine. But, um, and you know, look, look, it's a small community. Some of these people going up there are going to be straight up your friends, straight up your coaches, your colleagues, whatever. Like people know you're going to like, you're going to have some bias here and there. Just try your best not to don't literally verbalize and start chanting and saying like, Oh, come on, you can do it. Like you got to almost pull yourself ahead. And, and, and have you, when's the last time you watched a sport where you heard the announcer cheering for one of the players or cheering for, you might say, well, you know, we all hope they don't bomb out and shit like that, but not, you got to be careful. There's a line where, where look at that guy's go, that guy or girl is going against like 10 other people. Have you cheered for all their lifts as well? You know, like there's, there's a difference there. So you can be excited for them, but you got to know the balance between I've never listened to a sport where the guy's outwardly cheering for the person saying, come on, you could do it, shit like that. You just watch. And here's another one. You don't have to fill dead air. People are watching something. You don't have to always talk. You can probably tell by this interview, I got no problem filling dead air, but <laughs> but still, <laughs> but still, um, if you don't have something to say, it's okay. The people watching are watching something. They tuned in for the powerlifting, not for you. So don't get too big on yourself. Um, however, to make it enjoyable, people know a difference when you got a good commentator and you don't. People, or the commentator is just giving a bland voice, and he, or if he's giving it or whatever, you can tell. At least I hope they can. I'm told they can. Yeah. But who knows? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a yeah. it's a trip, man. Life's a trip. I never would have if you would have talked to me in 2000, 2007 when I started powerlifting. How the f- if you would have told me everything I just told you, if you would have told me, yeah. we haven't even gotten into how crazy, like, a king of lifts, man, people all over the world and shit messaging me and, like, it's crazy. I'm, yeah. just, I'm straight up a normal dude. You told me 2007, you know that you know what's about to happen to you? You know the journey you're about to go on? This is nuts, man. Yeah. This is crazy. Well, well maybe let's, let's touch on that for a little bit. So, like, 2007, you get into powerlifting. Um, how, how did that all start for you? It, um, so I've always been infatuated with strength. Like when I was a little kid, I love, you know, I mean, I think a lot of little boys like want to be strong, big, strong, pretend you're, you're a muscle man walking around. I started lifting weights. I'm five, nine. My brother's six, one and a half, two years old, two and a half years older than me. So he used to always rough me up when we were young. We'd scrap it out. Like if there was a problem, my mom would be like, take it to the basement. You guys scrap it out. I'm sick of it. And you scrap it out. Problem is. He's two years older than me, and he's like, even if we were the same age, he was way bigger than me. 
So I would, even as a kid, I was like, I gotta, I gotta fix this problem real quick. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna grow much taller than this cat, but I gotta even the odds somehow. So I was like in grade, I don't know, I mean, I was like 10 or 11. I started pumping weights, lifting weights, trying to like mitigate it. And I started weightlifting. And um, so we kept like scrapping until like high school. I forget what the age was. Sometime in high school, my brother started feeling like these fights are getting a little more even. And then he, I still remember the day he told me, me and you, we don't fight anymore. He's like, we're, we're done. We're retired. Now we, we use our words. And I was like, you just want to retire undefeated. That's what's going on here. Um, so I still into weightlifting. I had a lot, like I grew up in the eighties and that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And my dad would bring home Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, loved weightlifting, saw pumping iron. And, uh, but I didn't know about powerlifting. Powerlifting wasn't like it is now. There's no fucking such thing as social media in the nineties. And powerlifting in the two thousands was like so small, such a niche sport. You think it's niche now? I mean, you got, we're like one tenth the size. Nobody knew. So, um, one day I picked up the paper and in the, and this is like the national paper. And, um, it says Alex Joltz wins the Canadian national championship. And I was like, holy shit, this is for powerlifting. That dude's in my gym. And I was like, oh man, this is, this sounds like what's powerlifting? Started looking into it, approached him and said, man, you know, my name's Ryan. I want to start powerlifting. Dude took me under his wing, showed me like how to powerlift, dissected all my lifts uh, gave me like a programming. I was doing like a Chico programming, small off programming. He had all these Excel spreadsheets, which at the time I was like, what the hell are we talking about here? He's like, you put in your lifts in this, you know, cell. And then over here, your whole program that gets farted out to you for the next 12 weeks. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. And um, he was like analyzing all my lifts and we we're videotaping it. And like, I got, you know, you get so much stronger than you ever thought you could. And like, it was like my whole world opened up, man. And I, look, like, here's another thing. You know, in life, like, I can't tell you how grateful I am, like, how, like, so this dude, when I needed him, just appeared and became my mentor when I needed him. When I got into, like, TV, Robin S. Rock um, became my mentor and, and when I needed him. He was a TV producer that I crashed at his house, him and his wife. His wife was there, by the way, I should say that. So it sounds a little more, more legit, but I was auditioning for the show and was sleeping at his fucking apartment. <laughs> his wife was there with his kid, okay? So anyways, Robin S. Rock became a mentor. Um, and then when it came into, like, like the, even the commentating, Martin Fleet, Eric Root, Richard Hayward, you know, these dudes, like, I have been extremely grateful. Like, when I need, needed somebody in my life, like a mentor, like, hum I humbled myself every time I got a new venture. Like I'm, and you feel like you're in over your head. Somebody appears, and I'm, I'm huge into mentorship and, and, and looking up somebody taking notes and humble yourself. You know, I do jujitsu as well. And like Mark, or Jordan Short, I'm saying Martin Short. Jordan Short, you know, he's a black belt in jujitsu and just like trains me one on one now. And I'm like, holy shit, how would I get this lucky every time? Every time I have like a venture I want to take on, I got like a national champion. He's like an Arnold Classic champion as well, Alex Strolls. Or like I'm in a jiu-jitsu, a jiu-jitsu black belt's like me and you one-on-one, I'll train you. Well, you good Tuesdays, you good Thursdays? I'm like, how the fuck? Man, this is like this is crazy. You want to get into television, a TV producer emerges and me and him stay in touch. And every time I feel like I'm in over my head, I, I shoot him a line. And Heather Hathorne as well. And uh, these are like a veterans in the game, and they're like, Yeah, here's what you want to do. Here's what's gonna happen in this audition. 
or like when I was doing the commentating and just being like, man, I, I don't, I've never done commentating and I'm nervous as shit. And just afterwards, these people, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if like, I, like, I know I'm lucky as shit to have these people in my life. You know, I know. I don't even know if I deserve it sometimes. Um, I know I'm lucky and I'm super grateful. I never look past that. But, you know, like you, I don't know if it's just because the way I approach these people, if other people have the ability to have mentors in their life and they're just not open to it, they're not humbled enough to ask, or if I'm just crazy lucky because I feel like every single ter- time I turn around, somebody emerges <laughs> and I, when I need it. Or maybe that's always the case. I don't know if, it's, if that's always the case. It's like if you look and you humble yourself and you like just walk to them and be like, hey, man, I need a little help. Give me help. If, if, if everybody would be able to do it or if, if I'm just crazy lucky. But either way it is, yeah. I, don't, I don't never take it for uh, There's no way I would have made it this far, man. If those dudes, if that TV producer didn't help me when I needed help, I would have fucking bombed. If, like, from America's Got Talent to the to Italy, Heather and Robin fucking saved my life when all they, every time I needed them. Um, yeah, there's more TV shows in there, but some of them I don't even want to bring up. <laughs> I did a lot of appearances <laughs> at one point. To, like, the commentary, you know, the commentary, man, if these dudes didn't help me, imagine they were, imagine they were just like, Man, you got eight over your head. This is your problem. Or imagine they were like, whatever. I would have been like, fuck, man. I could have got. Like, I'm also quick. Like, I certain things are in your wheel well when it comes to talking and entertainment. So maybe I would have figured it out. But <laughs> man, it's it's been even with uh with King of the Lifts, Adrian Burke, who is a silent partner in King of Lifts. I don't even know if I should say all this, but fuck it, let's do it. I don't talk about him a lot, but he is like, he dropped out of university, started his own business in fitness, and is a self-made millionaire. And um, and he became my business partner. If I need something, he hooks me up. And I'm like, how the fuck did I meet this guy? And why does he give me any time of day? Why does he give a shit about my podcast and King of Lists? And what does he get from this, man? We're, we're not going to, like, he makes so much money with all this other stuff. And I don't even, I don't know if I should say all that about his business. <laughs> but we are nothing compared to what he does. And we could never be. It's too niche. We're too niche. Even if we get to the, even if we maximize all potential, we're pretty niche. It's like, dog, why are you, why are you, if I, if I need you, you there? It's crazy, man. And he'll like, and he is. It just is, man. If I hit him up, I need $3,000 for this or whatever the shit. Oh, man. It's it's uh it's not like man I got a million no's from this cat before he took me on maybe it's that I remember he used to tell me every week I'd have an idea and he's like nah that's a dumb idea and I would, every week what about this he's like that is a dumb idea. that's even worse than your last idea and then, <laughs> um, and then I think when things started moving I started getting TV shows and flying all over all over the world doing stuff and then when I approach afterwards it's kind of like okay. You first off, you gotta prove yourself. I still I get people coming to me sometimes asking like how do you do this, how do you do that? Not just like with all of it, like with whatever little piece we talked about. And I'm like, man, there's so much to catch you up on, I don't even know where to start. Like we're talking now, it's ten years. I just told you all the trials and tribulations and, and experience for someone to have confidence in me when I approach Gaston or when I approach somebody like Adrian with some ideas. You know, when they're like, well, why am I, why am I talking to you? What, what are we talking about here? And you say all the things you've done. It'll be like, okay. You know, the proof is in the pudding. There's nothing worse than someone says, I got an idea. Can we have a coffee and we talk about it? 
And I'm like, L -l -l tell me a little bit of your background because I'm crazy busy. And they just haven't done shit. And it's like, you just want me to do all this for you? Or do you actually have, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. That's why you got to do a little bit on yourself as well. Yeah. You, uh, you alluded to the, the 2016 battle between Hack and Gibbs. And that, that was like a real, I guess almost milestone for, for you. But per, on a personal level, has any battle topped that since? Even outside of the IPF? No. Nah, man. Nah. Dude, that, that, it, was, it wasn't as personal for me. That was personal for powerlifting. Yeah. No, that was crazy. That was, um, if you want to see, think about, like that was standing room only when those boys went toe-to-toe. -to -toe. SBD brought them both in and did a photo shoot with them eyeing each other down, arms crossed, staring each other's eyes like two boxers. You know, we had never seen that before. I was running the Instagram channel for the uh, Instagram at the time for the IPF. And like every week, I was like pumping like the showdown's coming. You know, 30 days. Make sure you watch it. Like we were, man, that, that was so hype. Like we had good battles. Steffi Cole and Mariana was a good battle. Um, you know, some people talk, bring up battles, but they don't understand. Like not only this was, this was at a time when this, the live stream had just stepped up and so many firsts were happening. Instagram was just starting to pick up and like YouTube and all this really just started to like really hit its new stride. The stream really started to get like tracked before that. People don't remember too many battles. And since then we've had battles, no doubt, but in terms of significance for its time, man, that was right down to the last deadlift. Brett Gibbs had the winning deadlift in his hand. It, that, that, and it delivered me. It wasn't just, it didn't fizzle out. It was, there, there, we've had some good battles, no doubt. No doubt about it. Yeah. But there was, there's only ever, Hack Gibbs is still number one. Now, I know people from other, like the untested want to be like, what about this one? What about that one? My friends. The amount of people in the, in the IPF, you add up every single Fed you know, add them all together. All of them combined together and it's still not going to be even half of the IPF's numbers. So in terms of the viewership, yes, you know, some people are like, oh, who cares about the IPF? Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, you must be living in a fucking cave. In terms of the numbers, the IPF worlds, it gets no bigger. You know, when you hear, like, when the U.S. Open was well, for the untest was there, and they're talking about the biggest powerlifting meet in, in the world. Ah, come on, man. We're, we're having fun right now. They might have had a philanthropist show up and be like, I'm going to write checks and, and take a bath and lose all my money doing it. That didn't make it the biggest. If we're talking viewership, if we're talking like the, the, the talent pool is phenomenal in U.S. Open, but tip of the spear talent pool to race the top of the IPF, you got to be one of, like the talent pool is fucking insane. Like when you talk about the IPF World Championship, understand me, this is a for real world level sport. You know, this isn't, this isn't, you watch the live stream, that's a fucking TV crew they brought in. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not, you watch some of these other live streams, it looks like you got to look, this local sports for the local high school put it together. Oh man, I was, I was just about to say, like, the, the quality of the stream, it just makes a world of difference. And I've had, like, a little bit of experience with dabbling with exactly what you're talking about, like, shitty streams. And it's just, oh. you, you get an appreciation for, like, okay, number one, why so much money has to be invested in good live streams. And number two, like, the amount of work that goes into them. Like, like when you see, uh, I think it was, where, when was it? I think it was Calgary actually where uh, we were all leaving the hotel after the um, 
everything was said and done at Worlds last year and the shuttle that we were getting to the airport, we were actually sharing with a few of the guys from the media team and you just see these like huge fucking cases of stuff they're bringing with them. I'm just like, Jesus, there's just so much goes into it. There's a dude, he doesn't say his age, I think he's like 172, named Ray. Uh, I call him Sugar Ray. He's on the IPF media team. And um, like, I fucking love Ray. I, whenever we do a Worlds together, we do like a photo shoot and shit together because like, um, God bless me, he's like an amazing guy. This dude worked for the BBC for like, he was, he was working in media when the moon landing happened, my friend. He doesn't say his age, but I swear to God, he said he was there when um, he remembers when Abraham Lincoln was elected. I believe if I wasn't fine. Um, yeah, he, he remembers he was there covering the Civil War. But um, no, he, uh, I mean, th- these dudes that you want to talk about professional, they, the, the, the IPF wasn't like, let's just put together whatever. They got a full, these guys are TV guys. They're full on TV crew. This is what they do for a living. When, when Gaston put me on, he put me on because of my TV background. He's like, what's your resume? And he took a look and like, oh, you're, you're, you're not just a power lifter who thinks it's cool. Oh, you power lifter, a podcast? We'll get in line with the other 300 fucking power lifters with a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, he looked and he's like, oh shit, you got a for real TV resume. You're a t- you're a professional. You're a professional on TV. Bet, that's how you get in. This is, this is, they, Gaston Parage. Not like, I, like, I love Gaston Parage too. I'm glad he got four more years. Gaston Parage has a vision and he's like, it's gonna be quality. And this is where our money's going. The quality of the stream, when you tune in, it has to feel like, it's just, you know what I talk about? I want it to look like, I want, want my part anyways, I want to sound like you, you're listening to a real sport on ESPN or a boxing match or whatever. Gaston Parage's vision is the same where when you watch that stream, it, it needs to look like you're watching television. You understand? It, you need to be, you want to know the score, you want anything. In, in terms of powerlifters coming up, be like, can we sit in for a session for co-commentary? They want to vet you. Don't come in in the open if you haven't done it before and be like, because we've seen in other in other streams and people like, oh my God, shut up, stop it, blah, blah, blah. You see in the comment section, people like, oh my God, this person has to stop. Gaston, like the TV guys, Eric Roop and Richard, like, look it, we want this to be nothing but premium quality. You got it, like earn your stripes in the masters and ju- sub juniors when nobody gives a shit. And no one's watching, really, no no offense, but the viewership is like a fraction of, okay? Their family and friends are watching, but you got to show us. Like, you got that. And if you approach it, like, oh, man, I'm not really that excited about it. And it's not just show up and get through a session. Anybody can sit through a session. Can you do all the things I talked about? And for real, like, you better not, like, you got to give it. And then you then you could be a cub. And then, you know, it's tough, man. And that's what they yeah. want. They want that. They don't want, hey, here's my my uh, powerlifting resume, IPF champion. Let me hop in. If you're a dud, you're not bringing anything. We, you're not bringing what you think you're bringing. The novelty of you being an IPF champion wears off about after the opening squats. Okay? Then we're, we're done with it. Your name and everything is now done, and you suck. Right? People, people are going to start tearing you up in the comments and being like, ah, stop talking. They don't care anymore. So that's where it's like, you know, they have a vision with that. And that's where Gaston, when he looks at it, he's like, um, look, if we're going to get into the Olympics or people like, we're never going to get into the Olympics, fine, whatever. I don't want to argue that. I think we will get in the Olympics. 
you'd be you'd be surprised what we did on the Olympic Channel. We're on the Olympic Channel. Some people, believe it or not, watch the Olympic Channel just for any old sport, and our, we killed. We did amazing. The Olympic Channel could be happier. Uh, and, and that's what Olympics is all about. Will people watch you? Because we can put sponsors on it and make money. Even if we don't get any Olympics, fine, fine. Let's just say we're not going to get any Olympics for people who don't want to hear that. If you're trying to lure sponsors in and they take a look at your product and it looks like some fucking high school kids put it together and you're a local meet down the, down the way and you're like, this is the biggest meet powerlifting. And it, and, it does, and it looks, you got people who are just not media guys doing the commentating, not media guys doing the video and audio. And, the, and it's, I don't know, what's the score? What's the score of this game I'm watching? What's the significance? Yeah. Why do I care? What's happening here? It's, mm-hmm. it's shit. And it's not going to get us a sponsorship. It's not going to bring in a new crowd who hopped on. You, you heard your friend is powerlifting and they watch. And they're like, God damn. Oh, I watched that. That was fun. That's how you recruit talent from other sports to participate. That's how you recruit sponsors. That's how you grow the sport. That's how you get on television. People who are just like these negative, what does it matter? Powerlifting's boring. Doesn't matter. No one cares. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you're not doing shit. You shouldn't be involved. Your opinion, don't even get involved with it. You don't see Gaston's vision. You don't see any of our visions. Our vision's lined up. And I see it. You know, I can see where we could go. I'm really a hard guy to tell this can't happen when I just told you a story all of what I did. And I'm just a dude, man, from Guelph, Ontario. If you, if I told you in 2007, here's what I think my next few years are going to look like. If one of your buddies said that, you'd be like, get the, everything I just told you, you'd be like, get the fuck. So when people tell me powerlifting's not going to go this, do this, that, and the other, I'm like, man, we got no, we got no room for you in this team. We got me. You're not bringing nothing. I know what we could do. I'm gonna be a hard guy to discourage. <laughs> oh man, that might be a that might go, might be a good point to jump off and uh, wrap things up. All right, my man. Yeah. Sounds good. What we yeah. got? Uh, any 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 closing thoughts or anything else you'd like to add? That shit, dude. I don't know. You got any any questions? I think I fucking said a damn lot. You had told me. To come on, you want an origin story of King of List commentating and how we this all came to pass. And I get this question a lot. And um, I think like some people just think like things fall on your lap. And they're like, I had people say like, why you? Why did, how did you get here? Why, did you, why are you in the position with King of List commentating and all this? Like, this is kind of falling on your lap. And I'm like, and I don't got time to tell you a fucking 10 year story, a 10 year overnight success story. So I'm like, yeah, I got lucky. And it's like, so I appreciate you having me on. If you have any opportunity to say like all of this whole past 10 years plus to be like, hey, man, it's been a a slow boil. Yeah. Well, well, here's one for you now just to to wrap up on. Like what, looking forward, like what is your vision for your, the position that you're in as like voice of powerlifting, king of the lifts, commentator for the IPF um so you you have a you have a certain amount of power there like what's your vision for like the impact you're going to have on powerlifting and what you can do with the sport what's the legacy you're going to leave I want full I want to keep growing this um king of list is just a fraction of it's gotten to a point where I can't our growth I need more people on the team for this to keep growing so I'm starting to add more people now to diverse to diversify because we got plans in terms of becoming more like the vision is to be like ESPN, 
of powerlifting. Where if you got questions, you want results, you want highlights, you want lifter profiles, um, you want even rules. People hit me up, what's the rules of the different federation? What's we take for granted? They're like, what the fuck is a deadlift bar? What's a 24-hour weight? What's the difference between this federation and that federation? All of that. I want to consolidate and make it easier and easier so that you can come to one spot for it. Because if you're new to the sport and you're trying to get a grasp on it, trying to be a fan, I want this easily digestible. So that's one thing I have as a vision is to continue. And that's for me to do that, I'm a media guy and I need some other people involved and we're starting to take on new people in terms of that. In terms of powerlifting as well, I, I want to see it on television. We're on the Olympic Channel. I would love to see it on strip television. Um, the SVD invitation, beautiful. It's the biggest prize money we ever seen in powerlifting. I want more of that. I want money involved for powerlifters um, so they, they can get paid a little bit. So we don't lose them once once kids come around and once their job gets tight. We could lose a guy like Taylor Atwood. He came on the program like, I gotta, I'm going to have to quit powerlifting next year because I'm taking off on my career. And if I want to have a family and do shit, I can't do both at this level. Powerlifting has become a full-time gig, no money. And then SPD Invitational rolls around and he's like, I, I might stick around. But <laughs> you, you can tell you why for your girl or whatever. Look, if I win 30K, well, I'm not just training for me now. I'm actually providing food. That's like that's putting your kids to college or whatever the hell. Um, in terms of what I can do in terms of that, be involved. Be involved with like whether it's the streams, whether it's the social media, offering my expertise and keep growing that sport. Um, and I got like we got tons of ideas. Me and Adrian Burke and Kathleen, who's coming on, have had meetings about what we want in 2020. And there's about to be some big 2020 push. And and some people seeing some little pieces of it dropping here and there, but it's too early for me to say too much. But 2020, 2019 is going to look nothing like 2020 in terms of what King of List is going to do. And um, the more. <laughs> I got to be careful what I say because we, I'm not supposed oh, to. I can, I, I can see the excitement in your expressions yeah. though. Because <laughs> well, we, we've been having a lot of meetings um, and there's like some, for the podcast, we got to tune some things up in terms of the audio, visual, and there's, we got an influx coming in with some money coming in with some deals we've done and um, some ideas that are going to like, we can, we're going to be actually action some things we've been trying to plot on for a long time. So we'll see, man. How about you? What's your plans for 2020? Oh, man. Put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I guess similar in in a way, but like obviously on a smaller scale because, I mean, I'm in Ireland, so it's a smaller country. Uh, now, and funny enough, we do actually have a lot of international listeners, which is really cool that like, you know, someone from the US would listen to like a podcast in fucking Ireland. Like, but... Um, Continue to do this because, number one, I enjoy it. Continue to do it because I think it's providing value for some people. Like if I get a message, a comment, uh, someone shares the podcast on their Instagram story, like that means the world to me uh, in that I know that like, okay, someone has listened to this, they've enjoyed it, they found it helpful, they found it informative, they found it entertaining. Um, So keep doing that, keep trying to, grow the podcast and like maybe further down the line you know if we can if we can sell more t-shirts and more sweatshirts and stuff we might be able to pump a bit of money into the podcast and try to keep improving it so that's uh that's my immediate plans anyway what what was your guest of the year for 2019 oh wow um man 
I would say probably Stu McGill. Oh shit, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was a really popular one. Love that. Um, I, I guess because a lot of powerlifters hurt their backs. <laughs> I would imagine so. And, yeah. and, and what was uh, some impactful, like, did you ever get an impactful story come out at you, like that CC Ingram story that I was saying, or like any of those, did you ever have a story like that hit you where you're like, holy shit? Mm, not on that level, no. Not no. quite like that level, but even yeah. like, even someone's story that you took away, like, like I mean, the CC Ingram story, the, I mean, the Julius Maddox story, the homeboy was... Mm. In the fucking, in the inner cities, from swapping punches to dodging bullets to uh, being in prison to getting out and rededicating himself and becoming like the biggest bench wrestler of all time to um, James McKee, who who like like he was he was having seizures out of nowhere. He lost he lost his job. He was, had his own business as a truck driver. Had a seizure, crashed his truck through a fucking restaurant wall. Almost killed a few people. Woke up in the hospital. Yeah. Didn't even remember what happened. Lost his license. Lost his livelihood. He now like has, you know, he can forget what he's doing at times. He lives with his parents. Lost to a large extent. Lost his freedom, man. And um, was just like, I'm lost. You know, I'm fucking lost in life. What is my purpose in life now? And then one day, his brother was spotting him on bench and loading up the bench. Little bit, little bit, saying, "Don't look at the weight. Don't look at the weight. But just keep going. I want to see something." And then he ended up taking up into like 500 pounds. And then um, his brother, he benched it and he looked at his brother. His brother looked at him and his, his brother had this look on his face like, holy shit. And uh, James like, what? He's like, dog, look how much you just did. It's like 500 pounds. And he's like, how much was your previous best? He's like, I don't know, like 400? And he's like, dude, you, 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 you just, like that's for you, that's 227 kilos. And his previous best was like 185 kilo. It's like, so he's like, I think you might, you should powerlift. And then he ends up unofficially breaking the world record in like his second power bench only competition. And like, just like these stories that inspire you, man. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you heard any stories like that. Yeah. If you had, you don't know where they're coming. So, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the one that would kind of spring to mind as it's kind of, it's close to me as well is actually, so... You'll see the T-shirt I'm wearing, City Gym. Um, the owner of that gym is a good friend of mine, uh, Garben. We're, we're actually, you know, I work and train out of as well. Um, he has an interesting backstory. So years back before he started lifting weights and powerlifting and all that, he suffered three collapsed lungs um, all within the space of a couple of years. And it was spontaneous pneumothorax. And when he was sat down with the doctor, talking about it, it's like, okay, this condition is common in someone with your circumstances, but we don't know why. We just know that it tends to happen in young, skinny males. And he, he fitted that description. And like, and at the end of the, uh, the third collapse long, he was down to like 45 kilos. So was that like a hundred pounds or something like that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, at like five, nine, five, ten. So he was like really, really, really underweight. Um, so he took it upon himself to put on weight, put on muscle, get eaten, get lifting weights, um, get bigger. And he hasn't had any reoccurrence of it since. I mean, obviously he gets trouble with the scarring and stuff from the surgeries he had to do. Um, 
things like that. But uh, for, like following on from that then, so he got into powerlifting, opened his own gym. He now provides a facility where other people can come in and train and get into powerlifting, get into weight training. And he's basically developed a community uh, almost, you know, out of, out of necessity, but like what he's provided for so many other people is, is really, really special. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how, like initially that would sound like, um, like it's a bad story was happening to him, but because of what happened to him, he was forced to pick up a barbell. If he's a normal dude, he may never have picked up the, bar- you know how many people walk around there never going to start lifting weights. 100%. He yeah. had no choice. Literally, life said, you're going to do this. And because he's doing this now, he's now found a calling where he can help other people, pay it forward, and that it gives him new purpose. And I mean, life's crazy like that, man. That's yeah. um, It's kind of this one, this one lady I met at the Worlds in the Masters uh, in Belarus. She was co-commentary the one time, and I asked her, like, how did you find powerlifting? And she said, like, this is... if." I, if you're religious, you say it's God. If you believe in the universe, you say it's destiny, whatever it is. But it's she was driving her car and literally, I shit you not, got struck by lightning and got tons of injuries. And they said, you have to start lifting weights for rehab. And she started lifting weights, found out she's good at it, got really strong. She's a woman in her 40s. She went her whole life never lifting weights. Started yeah. lifting weights within the two years was at the world championships and within three years, won the world title as a master. And it's like, if ever there's a sign, you know, if the universe is giving you a sign, it literally strikes you with a fucking thunderbolt to, to get you on the right path. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, that is a phenomenal story. Holy smokes. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a way better origin. You know, I got to tighten up my origin story and just fucking say something like that. Ryan, King of Lists, commentating. How did it happen? Arthur, I got struck by lightning one day. <laughs> and it all came to me. Then the vision came to me when I was in the hospital bed. It'll it'll go from 60 minutes to 60 seconds right there, man. But just as like I gotta tighten it up a little bit. I gotta tighten it up a little bit. Everyone needs an origin story. Or you take that. What's your origin? Actually, what is your origin story? Oh man. Uh mine's a lot more boring. It's basically uh played sports as a teenager um was big into rugby got to like the, the what turned out to be the final year i was going to be playing rugby got enrolled in a strength and conditioning program that summer um for like our off season i'm like 16 or so at the time got really into lifting weights over that summer and then over the course of the next year got more and more into lifting weights and exercise science and all that and less and less into playing rugby eventually packed in rugby went lifting weights and being that guy full-time a uh, couple years down the road got into bodybuilding did a few shows oh wow uh, yeah got got fed up with that <laughs> and then then ventured into powerlifting and here we are uh five six years later bodybuilding yeah. look at i it's hard for me sometimes dieting down. I'm doing it right now. I, I, I turn into a bit of a chunky monkey. I was a chunky boy. Um, this summer I tore my calf and uh, and did not cut my cat macros despite no longer walking. Like I usually get at least, least 10,000 steps. I do jujitsu, which helps burn calories as well. 
And then, um, and then weightlifting, squatting and deadlifting couldn't do that either. So all of those went out the window. That's a lot of calories I ordinarily burned. And then, um, but I didn't drop my macros at all. And I was still drinking on weekends, living. It's like, man, you are, what are you doing here? I can't believe I was, I didn't think of this till you got too late. So I went from 190 to like 200. I was close. I was like 93 kilo, like 205 range. And I'm an 83 kilo lifter. And I was yeah. like, holy shit, man. I'm supposed to be six pack lapidat. By the way, that's not how I, <laughs> dude, that's a, that, that ain't good. That's, that's fat pack lapidat. That's true. <laughs> okay. So I was like, so right now I'm dieting down. And um, I had to slash my macros like crazy. Up my steps like crazy. Now my calf's cool, so I can do like squatting, deadlifting, and jujitsu now. But it's a slow getting the conditioning back, the strength back. But still, and I'm like, this sucks. I'm hungry. But when I, I have buddies who have done bodybuilding, man, my my girlfriend back in the day, um, like did a show one time, and it's dog. What you guys do is crazy yeah. with the type of discipline and the type what you guys do to your bodies. When you get that lean, your hormones, and she was a girl, she still is a girl, but um, she's a girl. And, uh, I talk for a living, by the way. No, but she's a girl. And um, the, what it does to, your, to a woman's hormones, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's not even healthy. And, and a male's as well. Like, you can mess up your, yeah. you can fuck up your system. Testosterone levels go all crazy if you get really low body, body fat and like, it gets crazy, man. That my buddy who was every now and then, Scott McClellan, shout out to him. He does um he's he's helped me here and there for nutrition at the time. And he warned me, he goes, All right, here's what we gotta do and here's what we're gonna do. And here's the worst case scenario is why you, we're not gonna just slash indiscriminately your macros and calories. But whenever I hear someone did bodybuilding, you know this man's got discipline. This girl, she's got she's been there. She's she's also left bodybuilding, so <laughs> nah, but you still did it. You still did yeah. it. I don't care what place you did, what titles you did. Mm. Day in, day out, you you go through mentally, you go through some shit. Yeah, right? yeah I think that, that's it. Like it's, it's it's people would ask me like, what's harder, bodybuilding or powerlifting? They're they're both difficult in their own different ways. But yeah, for for like contest prep, mentally that. That stuff is fucking yeah. torture. That's draining, like. Like mentally, did you have like moments where, for real breakdown, where you're like, I've I've heard dudes talk about they really get like you can go through some depressions, you can go through, um, all type things can get funky because your your hormones at this you're not supposed to be mm. like that. I, it depends yeah. on it hits everybody differently. How did you feel? Yeah, I think looking back. I definitely developed some like really over the top obsessive habits and from time to time I would get these um, thoughts of like conspiracies around me. Oh, like God. I think that like people were out to get me, Daughter, shit like that. Not like, not like actually podcast. trying to like physically cause me harm, but like dude, they're dude. trying to like actually piss me off, you know, deliberately when they weren't. I, I was just, I was just reading into things. I would have loved if you had a podcast at that time. They would have been really wild and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you would have like, I know what you mean. We like this, mm. something you ordinarily, when everything's good, um, someone says something, does something, and you're like, whatever. He doesn't know what I'm going through or whatever. But if you are on the brink sometimes, whatever it is going on in your life, you can't fluff something on off and you're like, he did that to fuck with me. He did yeah. that. He knows. He, he knows that pissed me off. 
Yeah, he look at him. Look at him. He's fucking pissed. He's trying to piss me off. All right, all right. You start thinking like that sometimes. Sometimes it, it, I know what you mean because uh, I'm a fucking psycho too. No, <laughs> no every, every, everybody's had moments in their life where, you know, it's a tough, you're in a tough moment and you're not yourself. And you're like, you know, sometimes you got to double back and like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to have to apologize to a couple people during that time period. If I'm like, hey, I, was, I wasn't myself right there. Um, yeah, man, bodybuilding can be, it's, if, especially that's why it's one of those sports when, when you want to be a natural bodybuilder, it's, it's extremely difficult to be, to be a natural yeah. powerlifter. It's easy, but bodybuilding, it's, it's almost yeah. detrimental. Sure. sure. And uh, do you know what? It's funny you mentioned that because like, that was actually part of my thought process of like, after I did my second show and I'm just like, right. Okay. Did my second show. I wasn't as lean as I was in my first one. I put on a bit more muscle, but like overall, I wasn't as good as I was the first time. Right, where am I at here now? And then I was thinking like, okay, I had this vision of like an ideal physique and I'm like, okay, that's not possible without drugs. Yeah, That's just not. So I'm just like, do I want to do this and like just continue to be dissatisfied considering all that has to go into it? I'm like, not really, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So it takes your and, life, doesn't it? Like when you say all that goes yeah. into it, you like I've seen with the girl I used to date and, and her brother. Um, it wasn't a coach, and um, it every people powerlifting we get obsessed, but every fucking meal, every when you're about to be step on stage and get judged, and people are gonna judge your body, every fucking nook and cranny, my friend. And um, yeah, you become you can become obsessed, and you're not yourself. You're not being yourself. You know you're not yourself. You're your hormones are all messed up and you're, you're grumpy and like, yeah, it can, it dominates your life. It's almost on it. Like it can be unhealthy. You can be like, man, I'm, if you, if you sign up for a bodybuilding competition, the next six months, especially like near the end, like, did you find where you're like, you know what? This is all encompassing to a point. Yeah. But I guess it didn't, I, I was, I was in this kind of a bubble where like I wasn't able to, to, take a step outside and actually see that mm. because I was, because it, it was so all consuming and you're just like, it's like tunnel vision. Like, okay, you've got this show and yeah. every, every action you take between now and the, the, the show date, um, has an influence on it in, in a sense, you know, I mean, how much sleep you get, like, uh, your meals, like when you're eating, what you're eating, your training, your cardio, um, it's it's the whole the whole package yeah yeah no it's i, I mean how, how lean did you did you it's crazy the journey too when you see how lean you yeah. get and you see like your before and afters and um some people actually peak before they even get on stage as well yeah that's very i mean it's it's such a fine art man when it comes to like that like you just retained I, i've seen it and you don't know what to say to the person and they're like Fuck it. I'm like, what happened? I'm like, I just retained a little bit of water here, there, and in some other place, and it just hit the muscles a little too much. My body fat didn't change, obviously. But if you just right down to the last little pieces, like yeah. it's just to dial it in, I'm like, that would, what you guys go through would suck. And then that day, something fucks up. And you know, funnily enough, the, the opposite can happen too. And that actually happened to me my first show. Uh, so we had like the pre-judging in the early morning and then the night show, the routines 
uh, that evening. And like most of the, the scoring is done based on the, the pre-judging. The, the night routine is just, it's, I'm not going to say it's an afterthought, but it certainly doesn't carry as much weight as the pre-judging. And because I managed to get a lot of food into me between pre-judging and the night show, I looked Dude, way better in the evening. And that's only really? within the same day. I thought you were going to go the other way and people were like, who is that fat dude on stage? <laughs> They're like, where is the bodybuilder? Where, where? There's a fat, the fat gentleman who took his shirt off, came out of the crowd, and went on stage. But you were, you were better. You know what they say that? Don't, yeah. don't sometimes carbs hit the muscle bellies and blow them up a little bit? And so, like, it's really dicey. You got to know what you're doing, but sometimes a little food will blow you up even better. Yeah, and once you got a bit more food and particularly more more carbs into you, you know when you're backstage and stuff, you you got like some some light weights or some resistance bands, and you're trying to you're trying to pump up and stuff. That's far more effective if you've got carbohydrates in there. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, you, um, you let me know for my selfies and shit for Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> person you want to have on your podcast you haven't, you haven't had on yet besides me i mean i was the biggest you got me that's what that's tough oh yeah well you were you were you were very easy to get on in itself very responsive that's the problem is sure. people who won't respond to emails i don't know if you've had experience of that do you email but, or do you message how do you how do you approach people i i i will try one and if i can't if that doesn't work i'll try the other and sometimes both fail <laughs> It's it's uh, because people some people don't read emails and then messaging it depends off if your friends or whatever like like I mean not legitimate friends but like uh, social media following each mm-hmm. other or whatever if you end up lost in a sea of um, message requests then it becomes difficult because you're just lost in a sea of requests um, so sometimes it's it's tough it I mean so I meet people at competitions in real life which helps so I can talk to them. And um, if they follow King of the Lifts, I don't, I don't, I don't know how it works. I don't think it ends up in the message requests. I think it ends up in your normal messaging. They change, yeah. it, they change it recently, so maybe you have okay. your. But I know previously, I think it ends up in a normal message as opposed to a message request, which helps not fall into a sea of messages. So that would help. But there is man, there are people who are tough to get, and some people straight up don't like doing a podcast. There's, oh, there's a couple big fish that you try to that that are like, man, uh, that's when I got the big fish. There's always a big fish in there that mm. you're like, that guy or girl is the big fish I want to reel in at some point. Yeah. Who's your big fish? You know, um, yeah. Have you ever heard of Clarence Kennedy? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He is. So he's from very near to where I live, like hour and a half away, but. He is an incredibly elusive man. <laughs> He's so elusive. Um, it's just it's just so hard to get on podcasts or interviews or anything. I, I just think he just doesn't like doing them. He might not. Some people, yeah. um, to sit down like this sometimes is pretty nerve-wracking. I've had some people be like, I don't know, man. And, or they'll be like, I'll come on if I can bring someone else on. I, you know what? Um, Jonathan Gaco came on. And... Um, mm. But I remember he was like, uh, after he won, I think it's before he won the U.S. Raw Nationals, but he broke the unofficial world record. And I was like, man, we got to have you on the podcast. You're the man to beat now in the 93s. Um, let's get you on. And he's like, oh, 
can I bring Joey Flex on with me? Because because um, I've done that before. Had coaches on, and Joey Flex is his coach. And I'm like, we could, but my man Joey Flex can talk, okay? And he could fill up a whole, he could do almost all the talking. And then it turns out I don't talk to you. And I kind of want to get your background story and get you. Like, I don't mind having you and Joey. I, like, I'll have Joey on straight up himself. And he was like, ah, I don't know, man. I'm kind of nervous. And then eventually I got him on. And I get it because you don't know what I'm going to ask you or what if I have some kind of an agenda. If I'm like, like, you know what? Some people have actually hit me back and told me, hey, man, I listen to your podcast. Sometimes sometimes you like a little bit of drama. But sometimes you like hyping battles. And I do like hyping battles. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to like create something that's not there or like be like, you know, so-and-so said this about you. What do you think about this, Arthur? And this guy said, go fuck your hat or something like that. Like, that's not going to happen. But sometimes it's, you don't have control. You know how you said when we kicked this off, you're like, I think I got, when I have, because it's a podcast, I'm allowed to ask you certain questions because it's not a conversation. So mm. some people are like, what are those questions? And they get nervous. And, and I don't blame them, man. And it's, some people are introverted and they're not used to this. And like, I just like lifting weights. Sometimes we attract introverted people due to weightlifting and the nature of our sports, not team sport. You can do it in your basement. You don't, you could do an online coach. You don't even got to see in real life. Then you all of a sudden you become known within the community and people want to put yeah. you on the spot and ask you all these questions, personal questions. You're like, holy shit. But what I try to do with that is I, I try to put the guest at ease beforehand and I say, look, here, we're going to be recording. But if I ask you a question and you you think you fucked up the answer or you don't like the, the question, we can edit that out. And I'll also say if there's any questions that you don't want me to ask, what might they be? Usually that's reserved for the guys competing in untested federations. But uh, I'll, I'll leave that up to interpretation. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't done that. I never said that, and only once in my life, once in my life, once doing these podcasts, have I had to edit a video ever. No, twice. Once I did it on my own accord, someone said a joke that I was like, mm, probably not good. And then, so I took mm. it out. And, um, and the other time, the person reached out and said, you know what, I said this, can you please take that out? And I was like, all right, cool. Only twice. Have you? How many times have you had to do it? A and B, who was it? And tell me all the goods. <laughs> so <laughs> so how often have I had someone message me afterwards and say take that out or, Is that true? Any, whatever situation how often have you, have you had to edit something or or someone said ahead of time like how often have you actually been censored let's just let's just broaden the question how often have you been censored before or after the fact uh Usually, well, I've had I've had one or two uh, ask me, yeah, here I said that, but I would prefer if that didn't go out. If if you could edit it out, um, but in all honesty, not a lot. You you ever met the the Irish head coach Jay Welsh guy Jay Farrant? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that that guy's a live wire. You don't know what he might say, so. More in my own interests, I might like you know. With I've edited stuff out that he said that I'm just like, no, we can't fucking put that out. <laughs> and is it because what he said was offensive, or what he said might ruffle feathers politically within powerlifting, 
or he's out, or he's talking mm. about people, specific people that you're like, man, those people aren't gonna want to hear that shit, and he might be talking out of school. Yeah, 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 more than the latter. And who were the people? Yeah. And what did he say? <laughs> Don't let me get you. Don't let me get you. I started backing you up. I almost had you for a second there, didn't I? Almost had you. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. It, um, yeah, I've, I've had, I've had nothing too crazy. I don't like editing, man. Isn't it a son of a bitch to go through yeah. like, however long it was, find that exact pinpoint and do the snipping and and you feel like, I don't want to do this, man. I just want to post it up. If there's a part 20 minutes where we are somewhat dull, fuck it. That's what podcast, people listen to podcasts when they're doing things anyways. You know what I mean? You're walking the dog, you're doing whatever, and song in the background. I've had people where someone's, actually it was Russell or he said, I was cooking, doing house things, and then you guys brought up my squat depth and started, some people were talking shit. And he's like, same word, I heard my name. And he's like, what the fuck? And he's like, um, almost now he's paying attention. I've had people from, uh, like that's happened a few times, message me. And they're like, a, a dude from Norway, when I was talking about a moment at the IPF World Championships that impacted me, I watched it happen. And I was describing the moment. And this dude, who's, you know, got a couple thousand people on Instagram, nothing too crazy. And he lives in Norway and he's like, holy shit, that's me. You're talking about me. I was talking to like Kimberly Walford or something. He's like, Kimberly Walford and them are talking about me right now. And he, he messaged me. He's like, is that me? Is this it? And he showed me, he sent me the video. I'm like, it's you, man. That was you. And I reposted. And he's like, holy smokes. But, um, so I try not to over, I never overthink a, a podcast. Throw it out there. It is what it is. Unless, yeah. unless it's like somebody really said something like, oh, man, you can't say that. Like, that was too far. Some people might make a joke where you're like, man, that ain't good. So, and that's half yeah. doing them a favor. But so did you tell yeah. me who it was that you wanted on? Did you tell me who was your white whale yet? Uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say Clarence. Clarence. But, you know, there's a few others. Like, like in fairness, most people are pretty good. They're pretty responsive. Yeah. There's like one or two that uh, that I could never kind of get a hold of. Steffi Cohen was very difficult for some reason. Did you get her? She's, she's very busy. Oh, Steffi no. Cohen's crazy busy. Steffi yeah. Cohen's... Uh, no. Actually, Lane Lane would be one because I feel like if I ask him, he'd be like, "Okay, what's your listenership? You know, is this worth my while? You know, that kind of that kind of thing." But Lane, Lane, Lane um, I had Lane Norton on, and um, he's one person. This is a this is a stat I love to throw out to people at work and shit because they know they're not powerlifting people. They probably don't know who Stephen Cohen is, Lane Norton is, or anybody is because they're just normal people. And I'm like, um, yeah. I, I had a guy on that Joe Rogan had on. We have a common guest. We have a guest in common. Right? And they're like, okay. But for me, <laughs> I don't give a shit. But for me, to be able to say, I got a guest in common with Joe Rogan is dope. Late North was on Joe Rogan. He was also on King of List, by the way. Nah, not a big deal. You know, we're, we, we run in the same circles. Whatever. Not a biggie. But I love to be able to say that. Um, Lane Norton's a good interview. Steffi Cohen's a good interview. They probably will. It's just, they both are, like, it's insane. It's insane how busy they are because they're entrepreneurs. When you're an entrepreneur, your day is, like, 16 hours, and, like, you don't, weekends, it doesn't matter. 
So this is stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clarence Kennedy, he's, I don't know what his deal is. If he's an hour and a half away, man, you should try to get him live one-on-one. Yeah. People, it's so much easier in person. Jokes and stuff fly easier when you're face-to-face Skype. All right, it works. But it's the interaction in person is so much easier, man. I mean, it's not very feasible when it's powerlifting and people are all over the world. It's or like, we're not Joe Rogan. We can't fly you in. Like, don't worry, I'll send you a ticket. But um, if if I could pick one person, I remember uh, my old co-host was like, at some point, we got to get Ed Cohen on. That was the one dude he wanted Ed Cohen. And I'm like, my fucking friend, I'm on the IPF media team. That's like the last guy I kind of have on. <laughs> right? <laughs> what are we doing here? I'm going to be off the IPF media team the very next day. I can't have Ed Cohen on. But... Uh, is what it is. Look, it was. I stretched you another half hour after you said we're wrapping up. By the way, you see what I did there? Am I good? I do. I do. <laughs> Damn, we got too gold. I'm, I'm glad you did it. <laughs> I, I had a feeling. Now I really. This time I really have to go. Oh, okay, okay, don't worry. I had a feeling half hour ago. I'm like, nah, you're not ready yet. We're just coming at a slow boy, young man. I'll start driving. You're, just you're, you're, you're yeah. getting tired. You get in the passenger seat. I'll start driving the rest of the way. We'll take turns. We're, we're going to get to the promised land together. But um, listen, thank you for having me on, man. Much appreciated. Um, I love what you're doing because you're actually giving back to the powerlifting community. You know, every single person you have on, every single listener that listens to your program, they get to hear that person's story, whether it's knowledge shared, whether it's the story of that person shared, and someone relates to the story. Uh, like, man, it's content, you know, everybody, so few people give back and, and, and give back without any kind of looking for something. Like we said earlier in the podcast, like I need to see something back from it. That's why you're still here. That's why a year and a half later, you're still here. How long have you been doing the podcast? Uh, just over two years, but two, two and a half years. That makes you a vet, my friend. Yeah. That makes you a vet, my friend. Yeah. It's funny. I had, um, you ever hear of Iron Radio? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's one of the OGs. I had the the host of that on a um, couple of months back. They have like over five hundred episodes. They're going like over ten years. It's incredible. Whoa! I'm um, just like, if I could, if I could emulate that now. Yeah. I uh, I could retire happy. <laughs> Look at me. It is what it is. If it, like some yeah. spend a Sunday watching TV fucking around on social media or it's equivalent of going down with somebody you never met sitting down for a coffee and shooting shit and just learning and talking yeah. and like that's I always schedule on Sundays but it's not always Sundays but I can think sure. of worse ways to blow two hours of my time you know what I mean yeah man for sure 100% uh, and yeah. you're from Ireland I'm from Canada when the hell would this ever happen any other mm. time for us to sit down and have a conversation like this but uh, anyways, man, I appreciate yeah. you having me on. Man, it's been great. Thanks again. No worries. Talk to you later. Yeah. All the best. Good luck. Yeah. Bam, oh man, Arthur Lynch wanted to uh, do a podcast. And I was like, I'm in, but let me record it. A year and a half ago, we recorded a podcast. And <laughs> something went weird on his end. And he lost the audio altogether. And the whole podcast gone. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to fucking record on my end this time, though, just to make sure. So recorded it good. I'll post this up on my YouTube. 
he's gonna have the audio I'm gonna get the audio off of him and post it up for the audio version and uh, there you have it there's the king of the live six-pack Labrador story we've done a lot of episodes never said my end of the story I'm usually getting other people's story I love a good story and I love to tell one too until next time my friends post this up in your stories post this up uh, give us high ratings subscribe on YouTube tell your friends put it on your Instagram the whole nine, help us out. We're going to keep it rolling. See you.